Welcome back to Almost Familiar, everyone. I'm Elizabeth. I'm here with my good friend Wes, and today we are joined by my fiance Ethan, who has been on the show before, but not since the Greg Ellis episode. Welcome back, Ethan. So everybody say, hi, Ethan. Hi, Ethan. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Uh, today's episode, uh, we're going to be chatting with uh, Brett, um, who, if you don't know, is like a key figure within the PLF community. We were really excited to have Brett, just because he's someone that we all know. Brett's one of those dudes that is just so active, especially within the PLF page, which we go into, like, you know, the starting of that, which is cool to see. He's been around just for a long time and has seen a lot of shit and has some really cool stories. So it was an absolute pleasure to sit down and catch up with Brett, for sure. Yeah, it was cool to talk to someone that was an admin of of a Facebook community page, because I feel like that's the primary form of communication within our culture. Like, it's, I mean, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I don't think it's Reddit. Like, I know there's a pretty light subreddit, but I feel like the Facebook community, out of all social media platforms, is currently the most active. At least that's my impression of it. And Wes, I wanted to talk to you about a show that you're in the middle of, a show that we love, too. And I'm going to make a bold claim here, but I will aggressively defend it. You're, I think you're watching the best Star Wars property, arguably since Return of the Jedi, but I'll be nice and say since Revenge of the Sith, but arguably the best Star Wars property, the Clone Wars, the animated series. If you are listening and are like me in the sense that you are a big fan of Star Wars, the movie series, but a very casual Star Wars fan in general, this is the show for you. It's like all the cool aspects about the movies, but just like so much finer tuned in, especially on the personal level where, you know, it's characters even popping up in Mandalorian, which, you know, we have a, there's a big group chat that you guys are in where there's a lot more deeper in the nerd knowledge than I am. But of all these pop-up characters like Ahsoka, uh, the pop-up of Mandalorian that were in, was she in Clone Wars or was she in Rebel? No, she she's in Clone Wars. Wars. She's like just super young and angsty. So you see her with Anakin which is so much fun because that's when he's still angsty and not a child murderer. So he's still got that like ability to him, which do they do that in the Clone Wars show? Does he still off all the paddle? It's I a youngling murderer, that. not child. Yeah, youngling. Sorry. Yeah, you'll just have you'll just have to wait and see. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil anything, but I do think it, you know, because it's like six seasons or something like that, you know, you I think I think it's nine. Oh, damn. Yeah. I got to go back and rewatch. You know, we, we watched a couple episodes the other night when our friend Mark was visiting in town because he had just watched The Mandalorian. And I was like, oh, this is like some great context for it. And I just couldn't get over how like well-defined everyone's cheekbones are. It's like, oh, it's like incredible. Infuriating. <laughs> I know. I see all these hot jawlines. I'm just like, damn, like my jawline never looked that good. But what is it for you that makes it, like, the best? Because you are the biggest Star Wars fan I know. So for you to be saying that Clone Wars is the best, like, I have to know it's just founded or founded on a very strong foundation. I mean, I just, like, love the the extra character development. I think that the dialogue and the plots, even sometimes in the movies, are kind of mediocre. That's kind of part of, like, the Star Wars, like, shtick. But it's just great to to go more in depth with some of like the side characters, like all of the other Jedis on the Jedi council, like master Plo or like Kit Fisto and getting to know them a little bit. And then just like seeing more of the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan is great. Cause you kind of like don't have that context between attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith. 
And I think this is more of season three, and I won't spoil this for you, but like the Count Dooku's story arc is just absolutely incredible. One of my favorite arcs mm. of all time. I think he's great. I think really? he's super cool. I want to see a live action Count Dooku show. That's yeah, no doubt. that's my dream. I saw they released a bunch of like, this is what's coming out on Disney Plus, and there wasn't a Count Dooku one, and I was like, what the fuck? I'm waiting for like Keanu Reeves to be cast as like a live action oh Count Lord, Dooku or something. Old Dooku. Yes. That'd be so yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. But Dave Filoni, the guy who writes it, um, is the shout out. Shout out to Dave in his cowboy hat. He's the only person to have been directly mentored by George Lucas, and I think it I think it really shows. And it's just it's a great it's just a great series of stories. It's I think it's just really well done. So I, I super appreciate it as as a big and very critical Star Wars fan. I feel like that's part of being a Star Wars fan. Like the real Star Wars fans fucking hate Star Wars. I feel like that's true of like any true fan. There's so much love, but there's also that critique's eye. You know, we're just like, but this could be different and I acknowledge it, but it doesn't change the love whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm honestly kind of a toxic Star Wars fan. And that's something that kind of comes up in our conversation with Brett. We talk and it's come up a couple times on this podcast. It's like that, you know, there's kind of like this like toxicity element of of fan bases, especially like the I've been listening to this artist since, you know, 2012 and therefore my opinion is more valid than mine and honestly I kind of get that way about Star Wars like all these new fans from the Disney era I'm like you can fuck right off unless you had unless you brought everyone to Attack of the Clones for your birthday party like I don't want to hear your opinion like I don't give a fuck damn it's like that it kind of is I'm like I'm, I'm sorry everyone I'm kind of a toxic Star Wars fan but like I can't you know it's it's hard because like I don't love the headier than thou and toxic element of the music community, but in Star Wars, I I am that person, so I'm kind of a hypocrite. I don't know. All right, off the hip, what's the worst Star Wars movie? Um, one of the sequels, like not Force Awakens. That one was pretty good. Like The Last Jedi was trash, and like, but at least it was like ambitious. Like at least Ryan Johnson, like try to subvert the narrative and like do something different and it, i just don't think it worked because like of the way that disney is but the rise of skywalker was just like so basic and like i just like hated the storyline i only saw it once i saw it once in theaters and i was like this is fucking lame and like i just have no desire to watch it like 30 fucking times like i have with the rest of them i don't know what about you guys do you have a least favorite I don't know. I was going to say it's refreshing to hear someone not shit on The Phantom Menace for once because I feel like that one always gets dumped Dude, on. I love like, The Phantom Menace. Like, yes, yeah, same. Me too. As a kid, it was like my favorite thing ever. And it was like mostly the pod racing scene. Like I really connected with young Anakin because like I was also just a, a kid with a crazy adrenaline issue. So I was like, yeah, like that's what's up. And as an adult, I watch, I'm like, well, Jar Jar is a bit cringier, but like I think it's an okay movie. I still get the same joy and satisfaction from it. Yeah, so I like it for the memes, which I feel like you were about to say too. I wasn't about to say that, but you the memes are very relevant. Yeah, the memes are just really good. Um, shout out to this one Facebook group, uh, Sith Posting. Yeah, Star Wars th- Sith Posting, all about prequel memes. It's great. Okay, I mean, I think Star Wars is kind of a generational thing, right? It's like the first generation that saw it, like our parents, like I think they probably fucking hated the prequels the way that I kind of hate the sequels so like maybe it's just very generational and like we just have a strong attachment to the prequels because of the point in our lives that 
we saw it. I mean, well, which is your favorite lightsaber battle of the prequels? Is it the one from Phantom Menace or is it the one from Revenge of the Sith? Probably Revenge of the Sith, just because there's so much more emotional background. Like, I feel like you know, like, what's about to become and, like, you're just seeing this final standoff. Where in the Phantom Menace, you know, it was an incredible sequence and then just Qui-Gon dying was just, like, such a, you know, moment for me. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think Revenge of the Sith was like the more powerful fight between those. That's a great yeah, question. Yeah, totally. And like, I think, and this is something you learn a little bit more about Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars series, because I, I think you, this isn't a spoiler, because I think you texted me about it, Wes, but like his relationship with Satine, the Duchess. So Yeah, fun. I'm, I mean, Ethan, I don't know how you feel about this, but we got to name, if we get a female dog, we got to name her after Satine, the Duchess. But uh, How about Saltine after the cracker? because why the fuck not as long as we can get a dog i don't really care so i i feel like the the clone wars gives you so much more insight into obi-wan's character and like his own humanity and so when he says to anakin like you were my brother i loved you like that's not, you know, technically with the Jedi code, like you're not supposed to have that kind of love, even if it's like fraternal in that way. And like, I feel like in a way, Obi-Wan views that as like a weakness, which is probably why he exiles himself because he feels like he fails. But I feel like ultimately the message of Star Wars is that like love is your greatest strength. And I feel like that's why Luke succeeds in the original trilogy, because, you know, he's about to leave Yoda after like two days of training mind you like Luke becomes like the most powerful Jedi in the universe in like two days the timeline of Empire always fucking throws me off but maybe that's maybe it's just like in him because of like the family that he comes from but um it's kind of cliche but like I think his love for his friends and his desire to save his friends his desire to save his father is what ultimately allows him to succeed so that makes perfect sense like think about like how much D gets from all of his fans that keep him going like you know he says it all the time you know he could feel the energy it's palpable you know it's the fam and the family gives him power just like luke so to tie it in if pl is in the star wars galaxy who what character is he the most like do you think Ooh, jar jar stop i'll tell you why i'll tell you why okay <laughs> go back to bed like <laughs> i'll tell not look no shade on D, but think about all some of the mishaps, like the recordings that never happened, the USB that got lost, the files. So Jar Jar. But joke jokes aside, so like obviously not Jar Jar. I would say he's more like an Obi Wan or a Yoda because of how much knowledge he imparts. You know, I think if anything, like I kind of almost feel like he's more of like an Anakin because like I feel like one of like the best things that we love about Pretty Lights that like comes up a lot is like the whole like vulnerability aspect and like Anakin's one of the most vulnerable characters out there and like he he makes mistakes and like if you make mistakes and you're and you're like not held accountable like you can go down a dark path and so it's you know that's like the message of the force and like Anakin ultimately redeems himself like it's you can use this power you can use the force for like good or for bad and i'm not saying that like derek has gone to like the darth vader mode but like i do think that out of all of the star wars characters like anakin is arguably the most like vulnerable and raw and i feel like you see that a lot in derek's music 
Well, before we get familiar with Brett Shredmans, we'd love it if you guys could follow us on our social media platforms. On Instagram, we are Almost Familiar Pod. On Facebook, we're Almost Familiar. And you can get in touch with us via email at almostfamiliarpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And without any further ado, let's get familiar with this week's guest, Brett Shredmans. How are we living? Living large. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Have you met Ethan or Elizabeth in person before? So Liz, I'm pretty sure, was at the Minert show at uh, Mezzanine, but it was for like a split yeah. second. And then, yeah. uh, were you there at that, Ethan? I can't remember. If- I might have been. I don't know. Yeah, you were. You left You left a little early. Oh, yeah, I left early. I was being a noob. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that whole night was pretty crazy. Um but yeah, we uh, we crossed paths for just for a little bit, and then Wes, you and I, we have still haven't met like physically as of yet, you know. So, looking forward to that day, man. But thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh yeah, no, I'm stoked to be here. This is going to be a fun time. I've been checking out all the other ones, and uh, they've all, you know, been a lot, a lot of proper commentary, good stuff, to people talking about. You know what I mean? So I'm stoked to you guys have brought me on. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. We've been looking forward to having you. Cool. So, like, I guess the disclaimer is it's come up in previous episodes that we all like pretty lights, but I think this will, like, really be the episode where we just hammer that in. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's it's. I mean, like, you know, since the whole kind of network began online and then uh, what it's blossomed to throughout time and over the years, you know what I mean? Um, that's pretty much uh, what it's been all about, you know. Went back to March 1st, 2012. That was like, as far as, you know, the PLF is concerned, that was like the inception date and uh, when when that all started. And, uh, you know, I remember getting added, added into that group and it was um, it was the first ever Facebook group that I was ever a part of. I didn't even know what that was at the time when that happened, you know. And there was like nine people in there and I it kind of, and I didn't know any of them, but they were all talking to each other. Like they knew each other, you know what I mean? Um, and they had, they had all met on the PL app that was around at the time, but, um, I didn't even really have a smartphone. I was, I didn't fuck with that. You know what I mean? And so, but I got added in and it kind of felt like being a kid at a birthday party when like all the other kids are over here and you're just kind of chilling over in the corner. Like, yo, what's going on over here? Like all these kids knew each other, they're all talking, like a bunch of them were from the Southeast and like, and I just got added in there. And then, um, my dude, Robbie, that started the group, um, you know, it was birthed from within the app and then they made a Facebook group and, um, he made me an admin and I had no idea what that was. I had no idea, you know, why, you know what I mean? I'm like, who, what the fuck is going on in here? You know what I mean? But, um, (laughs) then, uh, then, you know, things started to like grow from that. And, um, you know, that's how we know each other. I would say, you know, once again, like I haven't met you in person, um, you know, we've crossed paths, Liz and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that at some point we were all together at Red Rocks, like, or other shows, but just didn't, you know, weave through each other's paths. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the emergence of the culture that has happened within that, that groups, you know, especially is, uh, is definitely, there's been a lot that's happened for sure. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of unique to our generation is the use of social media as a way to connect with each other, obviously. And I think it's definitely 
had a huge impact on how the Pretty Lights community has grown. But can you, as an admin of that group, can you talk a little bit about how it's grown since you joined it and what, how you think that's impacted the culture? You know, it's, it's interesting because when we started that group, um, it was, you know, basically uh, it's changed, I guess, as far as like the settings of the group goes, you know what I mean? So at first it was just open. Um, if somebody typed it in and found it, they could basically add themselves in, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, friends would tell other friends and it was, it was growing pretty rapidly, um, pretty quick right off the bat, just cause like, you know, 2012 color map dropped a year, a year, a year later, you know what I mean? And he'd been touring for a while before that. So a lot of people wanted to kind of get in on, on just this discussion that was happening in there. And it was really dope. Like, you know, the first, the first wave was just a lot of really good discussion about the music, about, different shows, different times, like the people that had met each other. Um, and then uh, at one point we, we decided to switch the, the settings to it being a secret group because it was, it was just, it, it was a massive influx, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, not that we were trying to, to close the doors to it at all, but um, just to try and like, you know, <laughs> limit the flow of like the amount of people that was, that was coming in there, you know what I mean? And just like, kind of like you had to search it out, you know what I mean? Kind of like, how you first heard about pretty lights back in the day, like when, you know, somebody told you about it or like, you know, you didn't come across it. It wasn't in your face. It was kind of like given to you by a friend or like somebody told you about it, you know what I mean? And you kind of had to like figure it out. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, like it was, it was just, you know, and, and uh, not knowing any of these people, you know, a lot of people were friends in different circles, but a lot of conversations that would happen in that group. Um, there was a bond that formed there that, that just, you know, blew up huge especially when big shows would happen and we would you know all align and you know be like yo <laughs> it's good to see you i almost know you we've never met you know what i mean like <laughs> it's crazy to think of a time when there weren't facebook groups because it's just like so part of facebook culture now where like every band in the universe has a page so it's funny to know that you came in at a time where it was just kind of the up and up thing because i think that is huge for community building oh yeah yeah for sure and i mean like you know once again now it's for that vibe that you follow, um, whether it be, you know, 50 people in a group or, you know, like we're coming up on 10, I think Grizzfam has a lot more than that. And, and his page didn't start for a couple of years, a year or so after that, you know what I mean? And like just the different closies pages is, is popping right now for sure. You know what I mean? Like a lot of really good vibes in there. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of, where you can go find your people and then, you know, form a bond. And once again, be like, yo, I, we've been talking for a couple of years, but uh, maybe I'll meet you someday. You know what I mean? So like that kind of a thing, it's, it's, it's cool for sure. Yeah. It's definitely an influence big time. Crazy. It's always crazy to me that the emancipator family still has fewer than like a thousand members. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. And like, it's, it's dope because moon um, and the other homie that the admins that they just asked me a couple months back, I want to say they're like, uh, so do you want to help out with the, the admin side of this? And I'm like, really as much to do, you know what I mean? Like we're all just in here, just, I mean, it's as chill as it can get in there. There's, I don't think there's been a single argument ever or any type of any, you know, just like how Doug is and like how his music is, you know what I mean? Like, it's just super chill. And like, that's the thing. So I've known Doug for a really long time. I was at his first show in uh, Oregon. It was July, 2009. He opened for Big Gigantic and then Bonobo Live Band. It was at the Roseland Theater. Um, and that was right after he moved out to Portland from uh, West Virginia, I believe. And um, 
it was his first Emancipator show, you know what I mean? But I've been listening to him since uh, 2006 and when his album, his first album came out. And I was just like, it was, it was, you know, there was this crazy time period where that was right around the time when I first started going to this different vibe of shows, you know what I mean? Like what had happened is um, I moved up to Vancouver, BC in 2006 to go to school for a year. And it was right when I kind of started discovering this new style of music that was, you know, being passed around on blogs, you know, and when I got up to Vancouver, I didn't know anybody. I, you know, moved to a different country from Utah, um, was going to school all the time and didn't really have much other, you know, social life. So, but I was, I was doing a bunch on blogs. I'd, I'd found a lot of music on there and I came across Emancipator's music on, on this blog. And at that point I was like, Oh shit, like something's happening with this. And he, he just barely released it, you know? Um, and so a couple years later, I kept following his music. He was doing small shows out, out East, but um, as soon as I heard that he was coming out to the West coast to do a show, I, you know, drove up there to be there for that shit. And, you know, been to a lot of his shows and uh yeah he's a really good friend and a really good homie and he's just once again as chill as it can get really just cares about playing his music you know that's just what he's all about you know what i mean that's his main main concern for sure so so cool that you were at his first show and another thing that blows my mind about emancipator is that he has just flown kind of under the radar his entire career i mean i think on spotify he's described as like a sleeping giant of the electronic music industry and that's not a criticism at all it's just it and i think within like the scene it's itself he's on the main stage at festivals like lightning in a bottle probably at electric forest by now i don't i don't know for sure he he was even back in like 2013 yeah um but why why do you think he hasn't taken off in the same way that someone like Odessa has you know so it's it's interesting I mean like once again he he plays I think that most of the time the music that he makes is is for himself you know what I mean and like he has you know he loves playing in front of a a crowd but like you can you can see whenever he goes out on stage like he's just like hey what's up yeah let's do this and then just you know doesn't touch the mic until the end of the show and then he's like where do you have a Mitz Peter? Thanks. And just like, you know, like he loves playing his tunes. And if you really watch him when he's playing on stage for a big crowd, he'll look out and he's like kind of mystified and captivated by the amount of people that are there to like listen to his music. You know what I mean? And like, he's playing for them as well, but you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's not as big, um, you know, super peaceful. A lot of people want, you know, to have that boom experience when they go to live shows. Um, and he definitely has that, you know what I mean? But in a completely different way, you know what I mean? And, and that's kind of why it's super dope that that's his niche. His niche is kind of like under the radar. I'm like that chill side of the, of the radar, you know what I mean? And he loves that shit, you know, like it just, I, I think that he's exactly where he wants to be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a similar thing with the pretty lights family or like everything about a man's page is positive vibes. So then, you know, it's no surprise that his Facebook page is just nothing but niceness too. But the question I had for you is, you know, when you're the admin for the pretty lights group, things can get kind of toxic. How do you guys figure out what's kosher and what's not? Cause some of my favorite drama is PL drama. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes there can be some, uh, Oh man, Uh, just try and find a middle ground. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got to provide like neutrality because within that, you know, 
everybody has an opinion, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's opinion is dope, you know, and like to try and find a way to like weave that like Switzerland of it, then, you know, the neutral spot where you can give like, you know, an idea for perspectives to bounce off of each other. And like, it's not a win-win situation, you know, it's not a lose-lose situation. It's like, we're all there, a part of it, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's just, you know, you got to take everybody's opinion for what it is and like, don't fight about it, you know, but uh, that gets tough sometimes, you know, for sure. <laughs> but I think it's important to have codes of conducts in Facebook groups, even if they are unwritten. But I wonder if you think that there is kind of a pretty lights code of conduct in general, even if it's unwritten, because I, I kind of feel like there is and it's hard to articulate. But do you think there's something like that? You know, to be honest, so online on the page um there's a lot of that you know toxicity um people like to expand into you know levels of, of opinions if i can bring up something in physical life i would talk about telluride um when all the members of the fam came together and like you know we cleaned up the spot uh, you know after that year after the show you know what i'm saying so that shows like a kind of two different sides of like we can fight over here but when you know we're over here listening to the music and we're there all a part of it like nothing really else matters like we're not fighting we're gonna come together we're gonna clean this shit up like you know we're all gonna just one body and at that moment like it's you know that's that's when it's like you know that's why we go to those shows that's why you know that's why we do it you know so <laughs> so i think you've told me personally the story of how you got into pl but what was that exact journey like for you to discover that kind of music? Because when I think of people that have like really eclectic music tastes, you're definitely one of the cats who listens to like some of the most out there kind of shit. So how did that start for you? You know, so that's a good question. Um, so basically, like <laughs> um, that blog. So I move up to Vancouver. It's 2006. And I come across Emancipator's music. I get really into that. And then the next group two artists that I come across is a uh, blue sky, black death. And I just got to give a shout out to blue sky, black death for life. Um, so I started listening to those tunes and right around that time, I, you know, we're, we have these chat boxes on blogs where you just kind of like talk about certain, certain things and whatnot. Um, we'd already had a blog. Um, it was called strictly beats. So basically, you know, we'd started this blog. It was just before I left Utah and moved up to Vancouver. It was purely just an instrumental hip hop blog. Um, so we would, you know, get old records and they were just the instrumentals for classic old hip hop albums. You know what I mean? And we were just posting the instrumentals because they were really hard to find. So that was that was our blog, basically. Um, and I moved up to Vancouver and I still keep writing for the blog. And it's just, you know, it's just pure hip hop beats. And then I come across Emancipator and Blue Sky Black Death on this different blog. And I start posting that on this instrumental, you know, on our blog. And I'm just like, yo, th this is all rooted in hip hop. I think you guys would dig this. Just give it a listen, like give it, give it some time, like go outside, you know, drive your car, go, go check some shit out with your headphones on, walk around, listen to it. Let me know what you think. And this one homie in the comments of one of those posts was like, yo, have you heard of Pretty Lights? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should check that shit out, man. It's all free. Like it was just, um, after taking up, he came out. I want to say like shortly after that is when you told me about that. And so I downloaded it, checked it out. And <laughs> this is fucked to be honest. At first I, I 
I wasn't really that into it. I didn't dig it that much because it was just so, it was so different than like anything that I'd like ever heard before. You know what I mean? Like the the layers of the production and the expansion like past hip hop into some new genre. I was just because I was like a head nod kid. Like I just love like beats, you know, and like this was like further into something that I didn't really understand at that point. You know what I mean? And like, so that was that, but then I kept listening to it, you know, and uh, got into it, like just, you know, and so I finished school in 2007. I came back to the States and um, I moved back up to the ski resort. That's where I was living at for pretty much like a good portion of my life. And uh, the following summer, um, 2008, I just hung around. I just kicked it in Salt Lake. But the following summer is when I went up to that Emancipator show. And, you know, once again, like I had the opportunity to then finally go see and, you know, an Emancipator show. And I was there. And then I went to another couple shows in Seattle in uh, September of 2009. Went to go see Tycho for the first time. That was pretty much the main reason I was going up there uh, to to see Tycho. And then I got back down. And I had to go on this really long drive to New York. I drove from Utah to New York with my buddy straight shot, 36 hours. And it was literally four or five days after um, uh, Passing By Behind Your Eyes came out. This was like October 11th of 2009 or so. So I drive out to New York. Um, I come back from New York like two days later by myself. And all I did was listen to Passing By and, then, and you know the rest of it. Um, and I get back to Utah and <laughs> this is dope, Liz, you'll check, you'll, you'll dig this shit. It's fucking dope. And, and like, so I get back and my girlfriend, she went to USF for four years. Um, so I think this is her second year going to USF. She's moving out. to like a new apartment out there. So I'm like, we're, I was helping her move. We get in the car, we get, we're on our way to San Fran from Utah. It's like an 11 hour drive, 12 hours ish. And I put on PL and like, she'd never heard it before at this point. I hadn't really played it for her. And she was just like, what the fuck is this? What is this? And I'm like, I don't know, but like something's going on. You know, and my buddy that the, my buddy that linked it to me on the blog was like, yo, you got to see a show. That's all I have to say. Like the, the music is fucking dope. But like, if you can go check a show. And I remember specifically um, the time has come came on and she was like, OK, all right. So now what the fuck is this? And I was like, you know what? My homie says we should go see a show. She's like, what do you think a show of this would be like? And I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like there were, you know, there was hardly anything online for, for that shit as far as you know live shows there's maybe like two or three videos and so i was like well i don't know let's see let's see what his tour is doing why not let's let's check it how you know i don't even know what his tour looks like in the car on the way to san francisco i get on my phone i check his tour he's playing that night in san francisco literally and so i like told my girlfriend i was like yo okay so <laughs> i think this might all be happening for a reason are you fucking down? I'm going to buy, like, I'm going to buy two tickets right now. She's like, fuck. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. I have no idea what to expect. I'm like, neither do I. And, uh, yeah, it was at the independent on Divisadero. I'm pretty sure is where that venue is. Yeah. And, uh, so 
<laughs> we just buy tickets and we keep listening to PL the whole way there. You know what I mean? We get to her spot, we unload shit. She calls some of her friends to like be like, yo, I'm in town. You want to go to the show tonight? And they like go to check it and they call her back. They're like, yo, it's sold out. It's sold out as fuck. Like, what, what the fuck? And all of them are like, who the fuck? What, what is Pretty Lights? Like, they didn't know either. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I'd, I'd heard it. But anyway, and so we, uh, we head to the show and like, it's it's fucking popping like you know san fran knew what was up that's for sure there's a bunch of people outside asking for tickets all this stuff like you know and uh we went inside yeah this was october 15th 2009 my first show in san fran that's the most universal way to go to your first pl show though that's awesome dude it was a good fucking time and literally after that you know walked out and then i proceeded to you know spend the next week in san fran uh san fran's a second home literally i love that city it's beautiful i uh, i i'm jealous but also not jealous of, of you and ethan living there because holy fuck like how do you afford it literally how do you guys afford that shit well one of us has to work in tech so this guy <laughs> with the side of hustling <laughs> yeah dude seriously man my i, I had a girlfriend that uh, she worked for google you know what i mean and even still she's like yeah six figures is cool but I have to work all fucking day and I barely have time to even enjoy the city. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can, it's always there, you know what I mean? But, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place for me. I'd love to go visit, you know what I mean? And, and when I do, I, I wild the fuck out big time for sure. <laughs> and now what the question for you is like, since you were seeing PL like in 2009 where, you know, I had known about him since then, but I didn't start seeing him till like 2014. My first show was mountain jam. But then I like really started seeing him. Oh yeah. Like the, oh, the most wild first show jealous you know, jealous what i thought about my expectations <laughs> yeah, like this jealous. will be pretty cool and then i just remember being stone cold sober and it was like 3 a.m and he was like already an hour past his set time and i was like this is so bonkers like i can't even believe i feel like a superhuman right now <laughs> but you know like with the act like pl when he had the less discography did you feel like the shows were varying when you would see him or did you feel like it was a lot of the similar kind of performance so when when he used to play with Corey, um, it was a completely different vibe for sure. Like Corey has a completely different style of drumming um, than than Deitch, which is super dope. Um, but there was a lot more. So so yeah, that first show was in October of two thousand nine, and then the next four shows that I saw was the five night run that he did in Colorado in March of twenty ten. Um, yeah, he did five nights back to back. He did uh, the Aggie the Boulder Theater, the Fox, the Ogden, and then the Gothic. I'm pretty sure it was that. That was the five. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was just a completely different vibe back then. Like, just a, a you know, he, he still played tracks. It was super funny because I was at some of those shows, and I was like, a track would come out, and I would be like, oh, new shit, new shit. But it was actually, like, super old, like, bump and hustle, um, you know, like, just just old stuff that I hadn't heard before, you know what I mean? And, like... So yeah, yeah, completely different. Um, and it was cool because he would throw in these, and <laughs> that's funny. He would throw in all these tracks that like, you know, nobody knew. And so it was, it was that month. It was after that run, I come back to Utah and I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking into and finding all of these tracks that aren't on the albums. Like I know they're out there. You know what I mean? Like I, I can figure out how to find this shit. And so I started like digging real deep into, um, you know, his old YouTube page, like 
some stuff on the monome forums where he used to write a bunch of stuff like his old blog like but mainly was um these uh it was rocky mountain live was this production company out of colorado um they used to film a bunch of all the old shows a long time ago back in those days like 08 09 10 ish and i found like five or six of these old pl sets like the, from the mishawaka like fuck i think it was early sonic bloom maybe um anyway and so i uh figured out how to rip the audio from these these live sets you know and these live recordings and shit because i found those tracks that i'd heard at those shows but that i thought were new but i was like oh wait no these these are just old but they're not on any fucking album you know what i mean like so yeah i made this compilation um and i think that it's funny i think that that's when um the homie that started you know the plf like robbie beck bless up um I used to just post all this shit on the actual PL Facebook page back then. I didn't know where else to go with it. You know what I mean? Like I posted a bunch of it on that strictly beats, you know, blog and like, but people weren't really into it. They're like, yo, where's this turntables at? And I'm like, yo, it's a different type of setup now. You know what I mean? Like people are working with different shit on stage. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, we're into hip hop. I'm like, well, g- give it a listen. You know what I mean? Like just, just, you know, I'm like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was cool. I made this, you know, this old compilation a long time ago of just all these old, you know, live tracks and, and that was kind of what I was about. I was trying to like dig a little bit deeper into the internet and find some shit that like you just couldn't find, you know, on any album and shit, you know. So, did those tracks have names already, or were you were you and other people responsible for naming them yourself? I named quite a few of them, to be honest, which was kind of which was kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> I, I did my best to uh, listen to the samples, like you know, knowing that like a lot of the names for the tracks comes from the samples, but from those live recordings, like the audio wasn't the best. Um, like, let's see, um, don't cost you nothing. Back in the day, I think I said, uh, you can't, you can't touch nothing. I can't remember. I need to pull up my hard drive to see some of the older versions and shit, but, uh, yeah, I was just trying to like, you know, listen to the samples and like, you know, figure that out. But there were some tracks where I was like, I actually, yeah, I can't hear anything. So I'll just call it this, like, <laughs> which is kind of, kind of fucked up because this leads to another another interesting story um so uh prefaces like the you know that early album like from a long ago like 30 tracks 15 or minute and 15 or derek um in plf back when there's i think there was only like 200 people in there uh this girl morgan we were just talking about shit and she was like oh dude i was at a i was at this show at wicker park festival here in chicago and we run into nerd like uh, you know him and like and but he was really cool he was playing all this cool music and we asked him to like come up to our hotel room after and he was down so he comes up to our hotel room and we're just chilling and then he tosses me the cd and he's like yo this is a bunch of old beats that derek and i made and she's she posted that in plf and like i was like what what come again who and like (laughs) so i messaged her i was like uh so do you still have that cd by chance she's like yeah just chilling over on my bookshelf i was like is there any way that you can like send that to me? Is that, is that cool? Like, is that possible? She's like, how do I do that? And it was really fun. It was super cool. I like, you know, told her how to like, you know, she obviously knew how to burn a CD, but then like to zip it, upload it, you know, send me the link, like that whole thing. Like she just wasn't really aware of all that. And anyway, I got all these beats and I was just like, what the fuck? And like, you know, I had no way to get in contact with Derek, but I knew Minert was maybe out there. So I messaged him as much as possible. I was like, yo, I got these beats. I'm pretty sure they're from you here's the link. I just want to make sure that, you know, are the, are these yours? I mean, I know it is, it sounds like you guys, but like, um, 
is it cool if I post this? You know what I mean? Like people should probably hear this. And I knew it was from before uh, taking up like, it's like 05 or even before that. Um, I didn't know what to call it. You know what I mean? I had to put it, I had to give it a name and like, he never got back to me. You know, I just wanted people to hear it. And so I just, I called the prefaces, like, you know, the, like beginning of a book, like, you know, like it's at the first, like whatever. It's just, and like, anyway, that name just stuck. Like people, you know, it was just, people went to download it, this whole thing. And then come to find out years later, when it's like, oh yeah, the original title for that was called Autumn. I'm pretty sure it was like the original label for that collection of beats. They were just going to call it Autumn. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know. It's just, you know, like sometimes names just come to you and, uh, uh, that was that was that was a good time like thinking about a name for something that i didn't know what to call <laughs> yeah it's know? a tough job just because so much of the both of their music and you know you talk about Minert and Derek, it's like so much larger than just the average vocabulary because the emotions that stir up are like their emotions like i can't tie words to you know let alone with title it dude if you if you took the samples out that have the lyrics that is where the, a lot of the titles come from if you took those samples out what would you call the song? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so like, you know, one of the, there was, I don't know if you guys ever saw that video where I was like chatting with Derek about speaking of happiness and like, it's like a sample issue and he had to take out, I'm pretty sure it's that particular speaking of happiness lyric from Gloria Lynn. I think that's like the, the sample that they were after him about. And he, he ended up playing that speaking of happiness track after this all happened, but he just removed that lyric sample from the track like that got into trouble and like literally if if he got into trouble for every single lyrical sample in all of his music and he just removed those little bits it would be such a different song and it would be so like amazing but then what would you call it you know what i mean in, the, in that sense you know like something to something to think about yeah, i think <laughs> i know? would just call the time has come like big feels or <laughs> something stupid Mm. <laughs> dude man all right this is dope so my mom was a reggae dj um back from 1981 to 1983 um she played locally on like the college npr um it was a weekly radio show just just reggae though um and she was pregnant with me at the time and i got i was born in 83 but she said that like you know as time went on and she got more pregnant she'd still go doing a radio show, but like, I would like get a little bit more bouncy in her belly when she would like do the show. You know what I mean? Like she said it got pretty hard for her to do the show. She got closer to like her nine months and everything. Cause it was like, you know, she's got her headphones on. I'm in there like feeling the vibrations in her belly and shit. That's where the, that's where the love of my music began right there. And like, so um, I'm playing that track for my mom, I, I gave her, I got her a copy of a color map. Like I got her the full, you know, the full vinyl setup, like give it to her for Christmas years back when that came out, got an extra copy for her. And it's funny because she's like that whole, you know, double vinyl, like set with all the pictures. She's like, it's so beautiful. I just put it on my bookshelf. Like I, I haven't even actually played it yet. And I was like, mom, have you, have you not heard pretty lights yet and she's like no and we we're just driving around in my car and i was like okay well i got a track for you <laughs> and i put on the time has come literally like that's that's my go-to that's like for it's the one to like kind of show people something that's different but also i think will almost encapsulate almost anybody you know what i mean like through just how 
what what is it you know and she was like oh because i've been going to all you know i told her she's dude she's like my mom is so funny she's like you're like a pretty lights groupie i'm like mom 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 there's <laughs> there's different things you know what i'm saying there's there's different levels that and like <laughs> but uh no i played her the time has come and yeah she she was just looking around didn't really know what to say and then the, the final like synthesizer part at the end like she yeah it, she knew at that point you know what i mean yeah yeah it's my one of my all-time favorites always has your mom come to a show with you god damn dude that would be dude that's the only show besides all the shows all the radio shows that she used to take me to when i was like three or four or five or whatever when i was just bouncing in a diaper on the grass um thievery corporation i went and saw thievery corp with my with my mom and that was a fun one it was really cool oh and so my mom, she works concerts now in the summer. Like, uh, there's a really cool venue here. It's outdoor. It's BYOB. It's really small and chill. Um, but a lot of acts play there. A lot of like bigger name, kind of like, I would say, um, our parents types acts type of thing. Like everybody sits down and bring in your own lawn chairs and shit. It's really mellow. But, uh, Tash Sultana played there. Um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, I think last year, but, uh, I told my mom about Tash. I was like, and she didn't even know. She's like, nah, I've, I've heard. And I was like, well, you better be ready for this one. And it was like a super cold night and everybody was just bundled up, like hanging out. Like people were up and dancing for sure. But dude, Tash is just up on stage, like wearing a t-shirt, barefoot, dancing around. You can see her breath, like doing her thing. And I went to leave a little bit. We were going to leave a little bit early so I can beat the crowd. It was her last song. And I'm walking down and I see my mom, like just lounged out in under three blankets, like just wide eyed, like looking, you know, into the, like, and she texted me like 15 minutes later. She's like, yo, what the fuck was that? You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, my mom's a big music person. That's like where I, you know, she raised me on all that shit. Just all kinds of, it was just reggae, literally her, you know, she had her honeymoon in Jamaica. It was, yeah, it's, yeah, she's, she's about that life. And that's, that's literally what led me to hip hop. You know what I mean? Like grew up on reggae. And then when I was 13, um, discovered hip hop. And that's when, that's when it all changed, to be honest, like at that age, at least, you know, me and my, uh, me and my buddies went and saw that movie kids that came out in 1995. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's like a, it's a, it's a, you know, low key, definitely once again off the radar, but, uh, it's about a bunch of these adolescent kids in New York that are just, it's kind of like a day in the life kind of a thing, skateboarding, partying, you know, smoking weed in the park, just doing whatever, like sneaking into fucking pools, going to raves, like boom, 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 all kinds of crazy shit happens. But there's this scene in the movie where they're chilling at the park and they're smoking a blunt and it's like showing them how to like, you know, break a blunt down, like scrape it, fill it up, like wrap it back up again. And I'm pretty sure it's a Tribe Called Quest's producer and it's just an instrumental beat in the movie. And I mean, me and my homie that went and saw it, we had to get snuck in. It's an NC-17 movie, you know what I mean? And like here in Utah, like those don't come around that often. So, and we're skateboarders at the time, like we're smoking a bunch of weed at the time. And so we had to get our, our friend's older brother to like sneak us into the movie. Cause we just were like, Oh, we want to be like, watch this, this bad movie. But when they're breaking down this blunt and yeah, I think it's uh fuck. I wish I could remember his name. Yashid something Muhammad. I want to say it's like one of the producers for, for tribe. I'm pretty sure. And then throughout the movie, there's a couple other beats of hip hop, you know what I mean? And me and my homie, we were just like nudging each other. Like, yo, do you hear that? And we, we loved music that we found in movies back then. So at the, when the credits rolled up, um, it, uh, 
uh, we just waited for like the, the music portion, you know what I mean? Like as you wait and it shows the like music portion, the credits, the movies. And we saw it, that one. And then we saw DJ premier. Um, and I, I just remembered that name. I was like, DJ premier, huh? Like that is DJ like word. And I, I, I was homies with this dude at this music shop back then. I was really young, but we could like talk about some things. And I went in there and I asked him, I was like, yo, can you get anything from DJ premier? And the guy was like, what? <laughs> I was like, do you have anything? And he's like, and literally at 13, he showed me Gangstar and DJ Premier back then. And that was it. At that point, I was just hip hop for life. And then, you know, that was kind of my, yeah, beginning of <laughs> a whole nother musical revolution as far as that goes. So it seems like you were pretty well-versed and immersed within the electronic music scene towards the end of like the 2000s decade. And then obviously you know, right from the transition from like the 2000s to the 2010s, like EDM just like blows the fuck up. So what was it like for you to, to just be in that, or what was it like for you to have that experience as someone that was already pretty deeply immersed in it? Cause for, for the three of us, I think we were kind of exposed to it because it blew up. At least I was. Um, and then I kind of had to find my way and like find my niche, um, after being exposed to it, but what was it like having been already in it? So it was crazy. Um, <laughs> during that time. So that was when I was 12, 13, uh, a couple years later. Um, and this is all when I was like skiing, you know what I mean? Like back in those days, skiing was possible. And this is back when like we had Walkmans, you know, with tapes and then it switched over to like G shock CD players. So you didn't want to have anything skip on you basically like when you were skiing, you know, you, you don't want like music to stop while you're riding. Like it'll, it creates a whole glitch atmosphere. You know what I mean? So we switched over from tapes to CD players. And then the mini disc player came out when I was 15 years old and a homie of mine, <laughs> he had a friend that was like stealing a bunch of mini disc players and it was dope because those didn't skip at all. You know what I mean? Like you could just ride and like ride through bumps, like all this stuff. And they would never skip your music would never cut out. So I was like, I need one of those as soon as possible. So I got one problem was, is back in those days, nobody sold mini discs. Like that you couldn't, you had to like have a deck with a CD on one side and then a mini disc slot. You put the disc in the mini disc and then you'd make your own mixtapes basically. And then the mini disc would go into the player and that wouldn't skip. You couldn't go, you couldn't go to the store and buy a mini disc. You know what I mean? They only had them in Europe. I saw pictures of like albums on mini disc, you know, but over here, I wasn't a thing. So I had my mini disc player and I was like, where the fuck do I get the discs? And like the homies that were stealing all the mini disc players, like, yo, I got a friend. He's a DJ. You got to go talk to him. He's making a bunch of discs and just go buy some. And I was like, oh, word. And so I'm 15. I go over to his place. I'm like, yo, can I get some discs? He's like, yeah. So these are a bunch of my mixes. Like, let me know what you think. You can just have these. And I was like, all right, I get them. <laughs> Dude, it's a bunch of dope trance and house, like so dope, like shit that I'd never, ever heard before. You know what I mean? Going from hip hop to, to just straight trance and house, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, what the fuck? I was like mowing my lawn. And then like, you know, it started snowing. I was like getting ready to like go fucking ride. Started skiing to this shit. And I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck? And so I went back to the homie and I was like, okay, my friend, like, um, is there any way that I might be able to go to a show? 
do you do you are you or do you know where a live show happens where this is played you know what i mean and he's like yeah dude it's called a rave and i'm like what <laughs> well huh what's that and he's like yeah dude it's dope man you got to go downtown you got to go to this music shop you got to like tell me you want a ticket you know give him 10 bucks they'll give you like a little thing with a phone number on it don't worry i'm like what what the fuck are you talking about? I don't need my driver's license. I just take a bus down. You know what I mean? So I go down there and I have a couple of friends that have driver's licenses. So I buy two tickets and I hit up my friends and I was like, yo, um, do you guys want to go to a rave? And they're like, what the fuck? Like, I've heard of that. They're like, doesn't that shit happen like New York on the West Coast or whatever? I'm like, I don't know, man. I've never been to one. Like, do you want to go check this out? You know, and like, <laughs> so it was dope. I mean, this is like the 98 was the first time I went to my first rave. And uh, yeah, it was cool. You just call the voicemail on the day of, like you'd get directions. And we just went way out on the other side of the Great Salt Lake um, out in the fucking desert to this little cuddy. Um, my homie that was driving, he's like, where are we going? I'm like, dude, just follow the directions. Like there's a mile marker. We got to make a left turn onto a duck. You know, like, don't worry, we'll be good. I'm like, <laughs> so we get out there and we, 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 so I've been a weed smoker since I was like five or six years old, really started in third grade. You know what I mean? And so I always had a bong in my backpack for life. So we get out there, we park and I'm like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to smoke as many bong hits as we possibly can. And then we're going to go check this out. And we're just going to see what the fuck it's like. like, what is this? And he's like, all right, sounds good to me. And like, <laughs> so we roll in and it was one of the most just eye awakening just awesome experiences I've ever fucking had. You know what I mean? Like we're talking with like 30 year olds, like we're, you know, free water. There's a bunch of dope music, a bunch of house. One of the shows I went to John Digweed was there just like, it was fucking dope, like really cool. And so at that point I was like, okay, like there's, there's, and I, you know, I knew that most of it was coming over from the UK from what I'd heard, you know what I mean? I knew there were, there were artists in the U S but I was still so young and like had no fucking clue what was even going on. I didn't know who any of the artists were. I just enjoyed the tunes and like the beats. And like, once I got there to a live show, I was like, Oh shit. Like this is insane. Like this is popping, you know? And so that was, and then I graduated high school in Oh one. And then literally what happened after I graduated high school, um, I moved up to the ski resort and I didn't go to a single show. I don't think until fuck. I mean, I had friend, you know, we had fun house parties and stuff, but as far as like a live event goes, wasn't until that emancipator show in fucking 2009, like straight up. Like I lived at the resort for six years. I lived on like at the mountain and just skied every day. That was the deal. And, you know, was downloading a bunch of music, was finding a bunch of music, telling a bunch of people about all this music, like trying to expose people to, you know, different sides of tunes. But I was just writing every day, you know, and in, in the summer, I would just kick it and hang out. And uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, it was that girl that went to USF um, and would go out to San Fran as much as I could. But we just, we, you know, we never really went to live shows. It was crazy. We just enjoyed the city, you know what I mean? Roamed around and then I'd go back up the mountain and, just ski as much as I could. Um, and then, so yeah, basically that whole kind of first part of that decade from 2000 to 2010, um, was kind of how I like emerged into that new culture that was popping, you know what I mean? And like to talk about, you know, the Colorado scene, as far as like what was happening in Boulder in like 
07, I would say, like, you know, Fort Collins scene and like when they first started doing shows in Boulder, I would say, like back in those days, like probably 07. I bet Boulder in 07 was probably fucking dope. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and like all the people that were there for like that birthing and like the spark that like flew outward from there. You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, it was cool to be there early, but I was, to be honest, I was just, I was just skiing a bunch, trying to ride as much as I could, you know, like while my body was still working. <laughs> Did you ever make it to any of the house parties that Derek used to play back in the day? Fuck man. You know, and that's the thing, like, you know, I've got some knowledge, but the people that were there like that back in the day, like, you know, so supposedly the the first PL show was at a bowling alley or some shit. I want to say as far as like when on the label on the, like the flyer or whatever, pretty sure it was a bowling alley. There's a bunch of these homies that, you know, and it's cool because like, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of homies out there that like, uh, you know, we're at these spots, you know what I mean? Like back when it was like, you know, Dom from Big G was there a bunch, uh, Alex B, Old Piper Diamond, like that whole like kind of crew were all coming up with each other, like, and they're all learning shit from each other. And you know what I mean? It was before there was this huge, like, oh, I'm a group, I'm a band, you know, this is what I do, this whole thing. It was just this like mixing pot of everybody kind of like learning their own sound and like, what are, what are we actually doing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I can only imagine like the, the spacement or whatever they call it back when, you know, when like, the freeze is what, you know, like Derek and, and uh, Paul basic and Minert and like, you know, and then the listen days when they were like dropping out of school to go to school for music. And they're all just in a basement, probably smoking a lot of weed and just like their mom's upstairs. Like, are you guys ever going to go to school? And they're like, mom, <laughs> we got ideas. We got plans. Like, <laughs> don't worry. And like, you know what I mean? But like, they're, she's like, Jesus Christ. Like, are they ever going to do anything with their lives? And then like, <laughs> dude, and like, dude, seeing Derek's mom at fucking a lot of shows, like seeing her at Telluride was fucking dope. Just like, you know, getting the fuck down. And I actually met uh, my nerd's mom at a Red Rock show. I can't remember which one it was, but that was also really cool. You know, like, I got a deep love for the homie. Mitch is fucking the dude, like to, to know what he came from, like, you know, escaping out of Poland and like that whole journey that his dad and his mom like took him on and like that just to come here and to land in Fort Collins, Colorado, like the fuck, you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure as far as what I know, um, Minert's dad was a librarian at the jail in Fort Collins. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was in Fort Collins, but that's the job that he could get. And I don't know if like, it's because he didn't have citizenship or whatever, but like, that's pretty cool. And like, so listening to B's podcast, I was just listening to that one before I got on with this and like, you know, talking about incarceration, um, I haven't spent a year in jail, like, like B has, but, uh, you know, I did a good 60 days and a lot of things happen when you're chilling in jail. Um, you know, you, you've got the people you talk to, uh, you got people that write your letters, but generally you're reading a lot of books, you know what I mean? You just try and get lost in books and it's a way to pass the time immensely. You know what I mean? And when, you know, and I've, I've spent some time in jail in the past, but 60 days, it's, you know, it's a chunk of time, you know? Um, but knowing that Minert's dad was a homie that was a librarian in a jail, like it's dope. It's super cool. Like, you know, if you're a person that can help these people with, with like, it's a good, it's a good spot to be for sure. I had no idea about, uh, about that, about, uh, Michael's father. Um, was there a particular book that resonated with you while you were in jail? 
if you don't mind me asking? Dude, you know, so honestly, the ones that dealt with addiction, big time, you know, that's a, so Anthony Kiedis's book, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Scar Tissue, that one was, that one was pretty intense. Um, it was really cool because it wasn't written directly from him. He had another writer write it, but he worked closely with that writer to explain all of these moments that happened, you know, and it was cool. It was talking about like the emergence of the Chili Peppers and how they were trying to find a new sound, like basically, you know, a fusion of punk and funk, uh, funk, punk, funk, but, um, you know, they're just trying to find like their own sound and shit. And then, um, all the things that happened after that, like talking about just all these places that he went and the experiences he had, um, you know, getting lost in heroin, getting lost in drugs, getting lost in addiction. I mean, his dad, so I'm pretty sure he moved out to Cali when he was like 12 or 13 or some shit to live with his dad. And his dad was a drug dealer, as far as I know, if I can remember right. And he got into heroin like really young, like 14 or some shit, I want to say, maybe younger, 13. But anyway, and so like that whole thing happened. But then he just he just kind of explained it in his his perspective. Um, so that one was good. Um, the other one was, uh, fuck, can't remember the name. I don't want to say spun. That's not right. Maybe that is it. But uh, just another another story about addiction. Um, but then I read all Lord of the Rings again, you know, so that's always past the time. I think for the ninth time, I want to say I read those, but yeah, no, it was, um, I would say Anthony Kiedis's scar tissue was probably the number one that stood out. Um, and then, you know, it didn't really ever have a resolution. You know, he talked about being clean for a while, but then also knowing in the back of his mind, he might go back there again. I would say probably the coolest part of the book was, um, talking about all the producers that they worked with as a band for all the different albums. Um, and I think it was Blood Sugar Sex Magic when they worked with Rick Rubin. I'm pretty sure is that if, yeah. And his discussion of talking about Rick Rubin was really fucking cool. Like Under the Bridge, you know, classic song. So, you know, Anthony wrote that after, we, so he went under the bridge with this Mexican homie after some crazy shit happened this night. And, you know, he did a bunch of crazy shit and then just wrote about it. And Rick Rubin started reading his notebook and Rick was like, yo, what's this? And Anthony was like, oh man, that's just a, you know, I, it's probably something I should have done. Um, and Rick was like, oh no, no. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have done it, but you're going to need to do something with this song or whatever, with this poetry or whatever this is. Like you, you need to do something with this. And so then, you know, a couple months later, they worked on Under the Bridge and one of the most classic tracks ever, but yeah, Rick Rubin, curious about curious about what PL has done with him. Really curious about that. I know that's like the one thing that's been just like teased and then just dropped because like I'm Rick Rubin's one of my favorite producers ever, and mostly because I think he's just one of the most phenomenal people on yeah. the planet. Like he's done some really good interviews, like with Andre Three Thousand, that just like it felt like a therapy session where he's just yeah. like so real and just like, oh. Anyways. Yeah. He, I remember it came out in some article that he'd sat down with PL and I was like, this is my dream. This is my dream and I'm ready for it. Yeah. And then they took it away from me. <laughs> He's a full-blown wizard. You know, like, literally like, so I heard that, uh, you know, Malibu Studios, I don't know if that's the name of it or if it's in Malibu. Called Shangri-La but, um, and it's in Malibu. Yeah, that's right. Sounds, sounds like what the definition of Shangri-La is, you know what I mean? Just like, uh, 
But um, no, Rick Rubin was like, who the fuck is this dude that's like a, a two feet taller than me rolling in with this like semi truck of all these instruments that even I don't know what they are. You know what I mean? Like literally just like they had, he had just like, like you know, all this stuff. And like, I can only imagine like what they did with it there, you know? So it's cool. Uh, that one's, I'm sure it's like, kind of like, uh, what is it? Aladdin, the, uh, you know, you got to find the, uh, the lamp, right? That, that's kind of a good one. You know what I mean? Go searching for it, go into a cave, find the, uh, find the lamp. I mean, kind of like finding the secret set. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my So oh my God. How do you, because I can't tell you how many nights post PL I'm with these two and Ethan <laughs> is just bugging going, where is it? Who do you know? What's the word? Is there a secret set? There's got it. There's always a secret set. How do you chase them? Oh my dude. Fuck. So as far as I know, um, if I can remember correctly on the timeline, the first one was at Buku. Um, so he played the, you know, hour and <laughs> should have been five hours, but it was an hour and 10 minutes long, I want to say at Buku. And then all of a sudden, like, here's the, here's the interesting thing like about PL. I would say that he has a, a pretty good grasp of the concept known as time. And so like, you know, like he'll do things at certain moments for a certain reason. Like we were up at the show in Missoula and like five minutes before they're about to go on stage, the like, uh, he just drops, like, I don't know who put it up, like somebody on Instagram or whatever, just like went out there. And it was the, uh, it was the knowledge about the new year show in new Orleans. I'm pretty sure. And it just like started popping up on everybody's feet. So like all around in the crowd, everybody's like, yo, yo, do you see this? Do you see this? And like, they're like, do you, do you see this? Or are you, like, and like, then all of a sudden on stage, Whoa! like, you know what I mean? Like this whole thing. So I'm pretty sure right as Buku finished, like the pin dropped, like it didn't happen until like right then, you know what I mean? And so those guys, they all just have to like run off stage and like run and like get in cars to like go to where the secret set was at in New Orleans. And all of us were just like, oh shit, where's the pin at? Like, like what? And like, so, <laughs> and it was super funny. I was actually talking to Will Guy about this earlier today, literally no joke. And like, so we're all just wandering through the streets, like trying to figure out where we're fucking going. Like, you know, most, not a lot of us live there. Like, and so then we come across like this little slice, this little corner, you know what I mean? And they're all setting up. They're like still setting up coming from Buku. And so pretty sure that was the first one. I believe the second one was Las Vegas for New Year's. I'm pretty sure like the base, the stratosphere. Um, I didn't make it to that one. It was, it was kind of fucked. Like, so I'm really big into food, food experiences, like, you know, meals. And I, and so I had like this, like, it's like 10 course meal, like reserved. You had to pay for it in advance. I was like sitting down for the meal when the pin dropped and like, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. Like, you know, the, the, it was an expensive meal and I was like, I can't leave, but like all, you know, people started hitting me up and stuff. And like, and anyway, they made their way to that spot at the bottom of the stratosphere headlights and like doing his thing and all that. And then I would say the third one was at Telly at Lawson campground. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. when he's playing in the back of the truck and shit. Um, same deal. Just like a pin will drop. Dude, where did, did were you guys both at both years with Telly? Like, did you guys go go both years? I was just able to do 2016. Hmm. Yeah, just the second year for us. Where where where'd you guys where'd you guys stay at? 
Um, we were in some condos. I don't remember the name of them. Yeah. But it was close by. I mean, the whole city's mm-hmm. tiny, so you can just like walk anywhere. So yeah. obviously it was within walking distance. But yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It was so dope, though. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your tell your a, a, a magical place. Yeah. That's for sure. I can't wait to get back out there. <laughs> Do you have a favorite between 2015 or 2016 or is it not comparable? You know, it's completely different. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, if, if I had to choose a preference, um, there'd be a 10% more on the side of 2015. You know what I mean? Just cause it was my first time going to Telluride. Um, I've always been as a skier, I've always wanted to go there just to see the place and see the mountains. You know what I mean? Um, and it was really cool to know. I mean, this is when I was like 12 or 13, I was like, Oh damn. Like, I just want to go to this place to see these mountains basically. And then it was really cool to be able to go there because of PL, you know, that's what eventually took me there. You know what I mean? So, um, and 2015 was just, it was, was dope. 2016 was, uh, it was a, just, you know, a completely different, amazing vibe, heavier, you know what I mean? The weather was a little bit more there, you know what I mean? Like a little colder, I would say 2016. And I mean, you're up at 9,000 feet, you know what I mean? And a lot of people, you know, people that came from New Orleans that had no idea and you go up to where the air is a lot lesser and homies that came over from Europe, you know what I mean? Like should have fuck you up. You know what I mean? You're not ready for it. And it was cool because in, in PLF, like that was really, it was really cool. We were all coming together to let people know, like, yo, hydrate, you know, drink your water, get ready. Cause <laughs> it's gonna, it's, it'll get you, you know? And some people did, like they went out, there was a couple of people that like, you know, they were good, but they just had to like knock out for a little bit and then wake up and drink gallons of water. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, tell your dope. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, they sell air in a can for a reason up there. Big time. What's the furthest you've traveled for a show? You know, it's funny, actually. That's that's dope. I was listening to you and JD talk, and you guys were talking about infrasound. And yeah, so, well, from here, I would say New Orleans, as far as, like, a show goes. Um, yeah, from here to New Orleans, for sure. And it's it's frustrating to me because... I've only been to New York that one time and I was in Brooklyn for uh, 12 hours and that was it. I had, (laughs) I saw like a sliver of New York, you know what I mean? So I don't have a reference. Like I've never been to Boston, never been to Philly, like, you know, a lot of the East, I haven't just made my way out there, but going to New Orleans was really dope. And that's the, that's all right. So people that go to Telluride and you go up to 9,000 feet, I used to live at 9,000 feet. You know what I mean? So you get down to sea level and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. You know what I mean? So I like to drink, um, going from high altitude down to sea level where there's so much more oxygen and you start drinking it, it doesn't really do that much to you. You know what I mean? To be honest, <laughs> it's not safe. It's not safe, but, uh, yeah. So that, that'd be the furthest that I went for a show. Um, the furthest that I went for a festival would be to infrasound. And it was, it was cool hearing you guys talk about infrasound because neither of you guys have been to infrasound yeah correct i'm dying to go yeah it's 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 a vibe for sure and i've only been to one um when it was the last time i was in wisconsin or two you know second time ago but uh yeah it was dope man for sure super super small um a lot of bass a lot of people that are there for like that type of sound you know what i mean how similar is it to like sonic's blooms vibe because i know you went to sonic bloom 
and I've been to Sonic Bloom and I love Sonic Bloom and it's definitely got yeah. that like heavy bass culture thing but I also feel like I don't know I think it's a little bit lighter I guess I know it sounds like only dub you know it's like real grungy shit yeah. yep for sure there's a so there's a, a a festival on the west coast I can't remember the name of it right now but it's like the only thing that I could compare to infrasound it's like on the on the west Is it the unts like that bass festival the unts or something different not that one it's dude it's in a I think missions uh I think it might be that one I think it might be that one like, yeah. I don't even want to touch the internet right now but like um yeah it's yeah it's just you know west coast bass you know just that's all there is literally and it's and it's cool because it's a lot of like up and coming artists that just play you know heavy deep bass you know but it's a it's a sound that is you know there's definitely a culture built around that sound sonic bloom is definitely a little bit more like you said light uh vibrant um a little bit more of a variety of sound you know what i mean like you'll go to sleep at infra at like three and it'll be like wop 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 and then you wake up at like you know nine or ten and it'll be like wop Wah, wah. you know and it just like just a lot of like that that vibe for sure but they still bring in some artists that like have a little bit of like a a side eclecticity to toss in so it's not constantly just like in your face you know what i mean like uh when i was there that the reason i went there literally is for um that homie from the uk from manchester uh fela fella um yeah yeah literally like <laughs> like the the lineup drops and you know, like, uh, my girl Emma's from Wisconsin and it was out there and I was like, yo, uh, what the fuck? He was doing two sun. Well, he was doing two sets, a main set and then a sunrise set. Normally tipper handles the like two set thing and for sound, I think he did that for like three years in a row. It's like main set sunrise set, but then it switched over to, to Fela. And like, I was like, okay, like everything else is all good. I'm literally going out there for, for that. You know what I mean? And, um, it was dope you know it's a really everybody's there for a reason and they just like deep bass music you know what i mean but um yeah cool festival for sure most definitely and it was nice to like because normally i just go west from here normally i go up to oregon um listening to b talk about burning man uh i've never i've i've gotten sunburnt but i haven't gotten burnt yet you know what i mean as far as that goes (laughs) but um but yeah i usually go west so that was the it was cool to go east for a festival for sure different vibe have you done lightning in a bottle? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. LIB's fucking dope. I went to the first year I went was 2010. Um, literally for Emancipator. Um, and then I went back in 2011. It's funny, actually, my roommate, um, we just went for for one day, just one night. You know, we just we got in and it was purely just to see Emancipator. Everything else was a bonus, you know what I mean? But like that was back in those days where I was traveling pretty much just to go see him and then everything else. And, was just like I said a bonus um but then 2011 2011 was a dope year because they had these early bird uh no lineup announced tickets you could buy or like do a little payment plan they're like we're not gonna announce the lineup but you can buy your tickets early save some money and I was like well last year was dope I was only there for like nine hours I'm just gonna go this whole fucking time and uh that year dude fuck it was epic PL Bonobo Paper Diamond fucking thievery now was thievery door there uh can't remember mimosa back when mimosa was killing it it was just dude it was an epic lineup and it was really cool to buy tickets for something unknowingly and then have it just pop off that was actually the first that was when pl first dropped the radiohead nine inch nails nirvana remix was at lib 2011 so it was really cool to be there for that 
was dope. But yeah, LIB is a really, really cool festival. And, and like B said, it's, it's mature people that were, you know, kind of birthed from Burning Man and they just took that aesthetic and like made their own gathering from that. You know what I mean? Do you have a favorite festival? You know, to be honest, I like the small ones. I like the first year festivals. I like like, if you can, like 3,000 to 5,000 people, I would say in the middle of the backwoods in Oregon with a solid lineup because the cool thing about a first year festival that's small, you don't have anybody being like, yo, were you here back in like 2014 or like in 2009? Like that's when it was so good. Nobody's like, yo, this is, like, yo, this is the first year. Like this is as good as it gets just popping right now. And then like, nobody really knows what to do either. Like the security is like, so who do we, where, where do we, where do we go? Where do we stand over here? And like, everybody's just doing whatever the fuck they want. You can camp wherever you can just do whatever everybody's. It's just the standard. You're literally like setting the standard. And most of the time with festivals, like you usually get like a three-year contract for that space. Generally in case it pops off, then they want to do it again. Um, so yeah, I like the small ones. Um, one of my favorite ones that I ever went to was the first, what the festival was in Oregon. I think it was 2004. 14 or 15 um really fun festival but same deal just small like 5,000 people max so just really cool to be there when it's just like that first vibe you know what i mean so yeah they always have great lineups i feel like they've it's grown pretty big um since it started popping off right yeah so the first what the festival is super small and then they had this this pool stage you know what i mean and the pool stage really brought in a lot of big acts and like the first year the pool was like small and nobody really big played there and the next year, the pool stage was like the spot to be. And this was like when Kygo was like super big and like just a lot of different, like, I don't know, I'd call it like tropical kind of house C vibes was like, you know, getting bigger. And it definitely changed the whole like atmosphere of the festival. I went two years later after the 2015 one, I think I want to say maybe, maybe it was the next year, but um, yeah, it was crazy. It was like, <laughs> it got big really quick for sure. A lot of the LIB homies that didn't want to go to LIB went up to that one the next year. For sure. And it was, it was fun, but it was definitely like a lot bigger. What do you think of those people that are like, Oh, were you here in 2014? And it was like so much better and headier then, or like 2009. Like, what do you think about that shit? I mean, I got mad respect for it. Cause you know what I mean? Obviously these are people that were there and if, you know, it's a place I haven't ever been, I'm going to listen to what they have to say about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, you know, my homies that run a lot of big shows out here. Um, you know, I mean, dude, they've been going to Burning Man since fuck. 04, 05, 06 and all that shit. You know what I mean? Like way back in the day. And when I'm chilling with them and just them talking about it and the growth of everything. Like, so I'm going to speak about Burning Man as a person that's never been there. Um, Burning Man has one of the strongest like combined efforts and forces of like human nature that you can find anywhere. Literally like as far as tech goes, as far as like just a combination of artists that are literally there for just art. If I can use that word, you know what I mean? Music, no money, no currency. It's all about trading and sharing, you know, emotions and energy and experiences with each other. You know, there's, I would say nothing else like it on the planet as a person that's never been there. You know what I mean? So to have somebody be like, oh man, would have been dope if you're a Burning Man in 05. And I'm like, word, what was going on in 05? And they're like, shit, it was just, it was way different back then, you know? And like, and dude, I got this dope picture of like the, so the first Burning Man, as far as if my memory serves me correctly, as you guys living in the Bay was in 1979 on Baker Beach, literally like 
that was the like a whole bunch of people had a party on Baker Beach and, you know, did their thing. And then I think the next year, I think, was there. And then it evolved out towards Black Rock City and about it. You know what I mean? And like, I got a picture from the first one at Black Eric City. There's like 20 tents. It was like a scaffold. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> but it grew into a, you know, a world combined effort of, you know, shared music, art. And I think the one of the most important things is the lack of money and currency. It's all about trading and, you know, knowledge sharing and that whole thing. So, yeah, I think that's one of those festivals. Like I always think it's like, you know, when you're traveling to a certain destination, it feels kind of like you're going on a sort of pilgrimage. And I know that, you know, the way you feel about music, I wonder if you could kind of talk about like what you think about the kind of ritualistic and kind of almost healing aspects that are in the kind of scene that we are hanging in right now, you know, cause I feel like it's very powerful, especially if you think about someone like PL like, you know, people joke about it being a very religious experience, but like sometimes I'm like, it really is. Oh, no, it's the truth. So I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, 2016, Telluride, um, there was a moment, I can't remember what track, but Derek said, yo, this is starting to feel like church. I think it was 2016. I, th- sure. I remember that. I think it was cold feeling, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. But it had such a churchy intro, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I've never heard it this way before." Yeah, no, for sure. And like for people that don't know, like so, you know, Derek's born in Wyoming. Um, his his dad is a preacher. His his dad is you know literally. So like, I don't know how many times he went to church or whatever. I, I think his parents split pretty early on, but like, you know he definitely has a deep connection to the power of, you know, <laughs> connecting with the higher power, you know what I mean? For sure. And, you know, I think that, uh, Oh yeah, especially right now, which is a tough one because, you know, as far as like going out to experience the strength of the sound that comes from the stage and then being there with like the people, I mean, like that, that's, that's what church is. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I live in Utah, like <laughs> Mormon country. And like, you know, when the church shut down out here during, you know, this whole shit show, the Mormons couldn't go to church. And like, <laughs> that's their fucking life. You know what I mean? And so like, they started figuring out like, oh, we're going to have Zoom sermons. We're going to have like, you know, we're going to like have live stream gospel talks, like this whole thing. And it's just not the same as like, you know, being there where somebody is up on stage talking about higher power and like, you know, and I'm all for all of that. I'm all for everything as far as church goes and like faith and like where you, wherever you find what makes you feel connected to something bigger than us. You know what I mean? It's just for me, I've, I've come to find it in the forms of uh, sound waves, uh, frequencies, um, skiing to be honest like a lot of times when a lot of times when i'm out skiing and it's like deep snow that's like really when i'm like i feel fully connected to nature and like the planet and yeah but yeah it's been you know it's been especially tougher i think everybody you know like i i i can't even think about these places on the planet that are like huge you know worship spots like mecca you know what i mean like what's been happening there you know what i mean like during this whole thing like you know, the pyramids, different places as far as like, you know, altars of worship where normally there's thousands of bodies of people there. And 
I expect people are giving it a lot of respect and knowing that they'll be able to get close to it again, you know, and just, uh, we're in like a little bit of a, <laughs> I, here it is. So like this month, um, December 21st, uh, as we move into the winter solstice, I believe it is, is it solstice or equinox? Sure. You guys solstice. Know? Solstice equinox. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So December 21st, though, is the uh, the great conjunction. Um, it's when Saturn and Jupiter are going to get closer to each other than they've ever been, I think, 800 years, I want to say. Um, and there's a lot of different cosmic events happening this entire month. Um, there's another full moon, I believe, on December 29th into the 30th, just before you move into the new year. And to be honest, like, this is my kind of thought process on it. Like 2020 has been a transitional year as we move as a planet goes, as far as like our timeline moving from where we decided the calendar, that whole thing, we're moving from like our teens into our twenties. So this has just been a huge, crazy, weird transitional year as we move from like that previous decade into this next decade, you know, like our president switched, everything got all fucked up. We're like dealing with this virus, like, you know, everything. But like, I believe that as we get into 2021, as we move into that first year of the next decade, um, things are going to, things are going to change. And it's representing itself cosmically right now as well. You know what I mean? I sure hope so, man. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think for, for all of us and for everybody, like it's just, it's been a tough year, but it's, it's been just a massive transition, you know, and we're like getting ready to, I think, settle, find our way, gather ourselves and then move into the next decade and however that's going to work. You know, I mean, think about where you were a decade ago and as we moved into that next decade, you know what I mean? Just, and then the decade before that, what was it? Fucking Y2K. We're all worried about like all that shit, you know, moving into a new decade has always been like a huge, scary thing. I think for the, the culture of humans, but we'll see how it all pans out, you know? Yeah. That takes me back to the notion of time that you were talking about earlier, especially with how pretty lights and Derek interprets it and experiences it. Um, Cause I think t- if you look at his discography, time is a motif throughout all of it. Yeah, fully. I would say that, like, do the common themes, uh, time, love, uh, summer is another good one. Um, you know, I would say sorrow, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like a lot of sorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just lose loss, like, you know. And regret. For sure, most definitely, you know. And then I think also, like, you know, uh, like being by yourself and like being unsure, you know what I mean? Like not really knowing where you're going kind of a thing, you know what I mean? Like just, which I think has been the case for, I would say almost everybody on the planet for the last however many months, you know what I mean? Like bless up to the people that have had a good job to call for the past, you know, since mid March, you know, when shit hit the fan. Um, but yeah, just, uh, (laughs) stay moving forward as the clock goes. You know what I mean? Pretty lights really can help through transitional periods, whether it's a period like now or just a period of when you're growing up and maturing. And I think just from the people that we've talked to on this podcast, 
I think something that's come up in a couple different episodes is just at the point in our lives that we found pretty lights. Cause for, um, the three of us, I think, or for me personally, rather, I mean, I just found it at a really transformative time in my life. It was from, I mean, you just talked about going from like the decades themselves from the teens to the twenties. Like I found pretty lights when I myself was going from my teens to my twenties. And it was just such an important thing to, to find at that time in my life. Yeah. Where did that, who, where were you? How did it happen? Who told you? Who told me? Um, I honestly think I found it on a blog too. I think I found it on like Tumblr maybe, but I didn't, I didn't really like pay that much attention to it. I think I found hot like sauce and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, and then over the summer before my sophomore year of college, um, my roommate was like, pretty lights is playing in Albany. We should all go. And I was like, okay, because I said yes to literally every single EDM, EDM adjacent show that came within throwing distance of Syracuse, New York and Albany was there. And I was like, yep, perfect. We'll drive there and back same night. And that was that. But, um, yeah, it was my, it was my roommate being like, yeah, let's go see pretty lights. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Where did you meet Ethan at? I know I've heard the story, but I can't remember. So we met, we also met at Syracuse. We met at a show um, do we have to th- name the show? I do have. I think I should name the show. Drop the knowledge. Especially now that you said that. Must it drop was, the um, knowledge. I don't know if anyone remembers Cazette. Oh, dude. They were really... <laughs> <laughs> I went to this show to meet girls, and it worked. Yeah. 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 Boom. <laughs> yeah. And, and for our first date, he found me tickets to a sold-out Corella show. So re- really appreciate that one. <laughs> dude, man. I used to be on Corella tour. Man, I did that for about a year. Gets a little hectic. Got a little wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. No more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to Alive every once in a while, and still, it, it brings me still. back. You know, I have that playlist with all the throwbacks. <laughs> well, dude, you remember that fucking video? I think it was a uh, where was it? Cruella opened. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and there's a like, side stage, like just like like just getting down. There's a video of it out there somewhere. Like I don't know if you guys ever seen that. It's fucking hilarious. Like just Cruella's like, it. dude. It's I'm, I'm sure it's in PLF somewhere. I got to like dig that shit up, but. It's fucking funny. They're just on stage jamming and like, not jamming, but doing whatever it was that they did. And Derek's just on the side, just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good shit. It's, enter- it's entertaining for sure. But no, it's dope. So all Syracuse, this is like OG Syracuse fam. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I met them. I mean, yeah, I'm from Colorado. So it's like, I, I'm the only person in the universe that moved away recently. What are you going to do? Yeah. Dude, where were you born in CO? I didn't even know that. I was born in the Virgin Mary Hospital in Boulder, Colorado. Dude. And then, yeah, I bopped around a lot. So, like, I lived there. and My mom had bought land when I was younger. So, like, we always had land there. But we moved around from, like, Boulder to Louisville. And then when we were two and a half, I moved to Connecticut. And then I moved to Virginia for a little bit. And then I moved to San Diego for five years. Damn. And then I moved back to Colorado. And then, like, from 10 to high school... I like, you know, I grew up, mm. you know, where I think about my actual growth yeah. in Colorado. Word. I, I was a kid in California, which was super fucking fun. I went to the beach all the time. I had a best friend who's now in a reggae band. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Wolfgang. Yeah. But yeah, then Colorado to Cuse, and I've been here ever since. Damn, man. Yeah, like I said, I've only spent, fuck, 12 hours in all of New York. You know what I mean? I got a bunch of homies from Buffalo. Um, 
and I'd just like to check out like upstate. I got a good friend I lived with that uh, runs like a fishing and guiding thing in Lake Placid. Looks like a cool spot to check out. But yeah, I'd like to check out upstate for sure. Yeah, man, it's cool. Like you were talking about earlier, it, like it's such a different vibe and scene out here. And to talk about that, and I might get a little flack for this, but uh, I've, I've never seen fish, uh, uh, you know, just in like, dude, you, you were talking about Mo. This is, all right, this is fucked. As a hip hop kid that loves reggae and loves like synthesizers and all that shit. So I've never seen the Disco Biscuits. I've never seen Umphreys. I've never seen Mo. I've never seen like... Yeah, I don't even know how that's possible because I know you've been to festival where PL's at, and those aforementioned artists are also there. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm like somewhere else in like a base <laughs> cave listening to some weird shit. You know what I mean? Like, dude, and and I'm down with all of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but uh, it's just, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something about the it doesn't strike my chord. You know what I mean? Like that that early beat that I got from my mom as far as just like a a recurring kind of bass thing with the reggae like it there's something about the and i'm all for it i'm all down i would love to go see a fish halloween show in vegas or you know whatever like and anytime like when i was at the eclipse festival i definitely went out of my way to go see string cheese i've never been anywhere where, where cheese was playing but i definitely went out of my way to go check that out but I, I left after about 20 minutes to go to like this stage called this the the spice road to listen to some weird like tribal weird base there was like 20 people there you know what i mean but <laughs> yeah i don't know and that's the thing with the music like you're saying the eclectic taste i've just been trying to find like weird shit that's not in the u.s I've been trying to find a bunch of i've been listening to a bunch of stuff from homies in russia a bunch of weird stuff in slovenia like just uh just future garage uh chill step like weird new you know, just deep bass shit. That's just, I like like slow melodic, like, I don't know. It's weird. So that, that kind of high, fast paced, um, not bluegrass, but like, you know, some of the jam twang just doesn't, doesn't strike my chord as much, you know, but. Did you enjoy string cheese? Cause that's like the actual connecting story and how I met Ethan and Elizabeth, like in, in person, like, or I think just Elizabeth. Really? Cause I had known Ethan before that. Yeah. Where was, where was that show? That was in Syracuse. We got like super fucking lucky and just like happened to get a date with them. And it was like after I'd just come back from going to Forest for the first time. Mm. And my boss was like, guess who the fuck we just booked? And I was like, who? He's like, he's on your shitty festival T-shirt. And I was like, is it Bass Nectar? And he was like, no, it's String Cheese. And I was like, that's even better. Peeling the cheese. You know what I mean? Like like a literal oh, mozzarella yeah. stick. You know what I mean? Like, Ugh. <laughs> So what did you think of them? So here's my deal. And string cheese has their, their festivals, you know what I mean? Literally like, so I would say uh, what electric forest is pretty much basically a string cheese festival, if I'm not mistaken, sort of. Right. Yeah. They're like one of the, or back when it was Rothbury, it was their festival. Rothbury. Yeah. And then, I mean, with, um, they do it at, at so how do you pronounce it? Swanee? Swanee? Yes. Swanee? I think it's Swanee. That's Swanee? what I say. They, they have another yeah, one. I mean, electric. Fo- yeah. That's the Florida one. The one in Michigan is it like the JJ or double J ranch or something. Yeah. Some like farmer owns it. Mm-hmm. And then they used to do one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, out in Oregon at, um, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it, but I heard they can't, they don't do it anymore. It's like a family owned venue. Um, ah, I wish I could remember the name of it. 
anyway, um, so I would prefer to have experienced them at one of their own festivals, in my opinion. The Eclipse Festival, it was all about the Eclipse, you know what I mean? So I went and checked them out for a little bit, but then I was like, all right, if I'm going to really experience cheese, I would probably want to do it where it's like three nights of cheese, three sets of cheese, you know what I mean? All the fireworks that they throw down and shit. So, and once again, I checked them out for 20 minutes. And here's the thing about the Eclipse. Did any of you guys go to the Eclipse Festival in Oregon? No. Oh my God. Here's the thing. Like, I wish I had the, the fucking, dude, the lineup, the schedule. I was doing something the entire time, every single day, and it was all dope. But every single time I was doing something, every single day, it felt like I was missing something else that was dope. There was so much stuff happening there. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, it was a big venue. It was a lot of walking, you know what I mean? So you're over here and you're like, Oh, I want to go over to that. And then I want to go to this. I want to go to that. Oh wait, I missed this. But so it was, it was intense and it was as long as burning man. I was there for eight days, you know what I mean? But, um, so yeah, I, I caught cheese for 20 minutes and then I went to the, the spice road and sat down for a bit. <laughs> There's some music that like, to be honest, like, I love to listen to it, but it, it just doesn't hit me in the way where I can actually like keep listening to it. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Not that I'm turned off by it, but sometimes it's just, uh, just doesn't strike a chord, I would say. <laughs> so I remember you saying the same thing about fish earlier and how it, ha- it hasn't uh, struck a chord for you. And I was wondering as someone that just doesn't like jam as much as other genres, I was wondering what you think about pretty lights transition to becoming kind of more of a jam band or at least improvising kind of in the sense of like STS nine is maybe one of the closer examples, but how did you feel about that? Dude. So to bring up STS nine, which is dope. Um, in my opinion, PL wouldn't be where PL is if it wasn't for Soundtribe. you know what I mean? Like all the early shows that Soundtribe was headlining and then PL was either doing like the opening set or like the after party. You know what I mean? Um, and that, that's back when it was just like sometimes him by himself or him with Corey, you know what I mean? Like back in those days. And I, you know, you, you always know, and I think you've seen it with all these electronic producers, they evolve into a spot where they start working as a band. You know what I mean? I think they want to evolve their sound and walk away from the electronics. Um, you know, I've heard really dope things about Soundtribe's Axe the Cable sets. I heard those are really dope. Um, but to to hear that like the sound change over the years like so it was cool i was like talking to them a while back and i was like yo the spaceship you know what i mean like it's kind of like you got like captain kirk in the middle all of like talking to them about what they do you know what i mean but then like what does captain kirk actually do sitting there in his chair you know what i mean like he's just like handling everything they're like heading into space and so when like pll like live first started popping off like and Derek was definitely doing a bunch of shit, but like, he's right there. He's the captain of the spaceship. You know what I mean? And like handling, like letting them know how to influence the core of the sound that he was like amplifying. You know what I mean? He had aspects of way to change everything that was coming into like his like center. And so that was dope. Like to hear that change and like hear the like, so when he started first started bringing the modular synthesizer on stage, you know, and like just bringing in all these different layers into where he was and like controlling all that, it was just, I mean, fuck, you could feel it. Literally it changed like a lot of stuff of just how that show made you feel. 
you know what I mean? Um, make you feel, but like, no, seriously though, (laughs) but no, yeah, for real. Um, it was, it was a game changer. I want to say like, Oh man, to think back, um, was it 2016 Red Rocks opening? I believe was, I think the first time there's light was played and the whole intro is like 10 minutes long and you like have no idea what's happening. And like, it's like literally is like tuning all the different vibrations and frequencies that are coming into where he's at in the middle. You know what I mean? Um, still to this day, one of like one of the more impactful and like, you know, important moments as far as like seeing PL live, that was dope. Um, all these tracks that are out there in the atmosphere, um, <laughs> the rhythm is invisible is another one that's just like somewhere out there waiting to be like, you know, put onto vinyl. Um, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So all that, like that, it was a, it was a hugely changing moment for sure. And completely different experience. Did you name any of the preludes? Uh, Oh shit. Uh, dude, no, we all, that was funny. Actually, we all came together to like kind of name them, I would say. And I think that there was a set list sometimes where, you know, at the end of the show, homies would go up and like get a set list. Um, Oh, I wish I had the list for all those. Cause, um, number one is, uh, I would say there, oh, I don't even go to the internet right now. Yeah. There's, there's light. I would say is, a uh, number one. Right. And then number two, um, dude, I wish I could remember all more. Or I mean, I made an edit with all of them, you know, one, two, three, four, five, but planes, I want to say, um, is the one in Chicago. I'm pretty sure with the reflection of him in the water. Um, dude ruled by human consciousness. We sometimes can't, but what, I can't remember the name of that one. We confine ourselves to, to one, one plane. plane. Well, the planes are right. Yeah, so, <laughs> so planes hit my brain right there. Um, but fuck. The synth line in that song is my absolute favorite. Yeah. Isn't that one like also known as like Eternalously? I, so when he played it in, I think it was New Orleans for New Year's, that's when the name Eternalously, because I think that's what he said. He's like, yeah, yeah we call this one Eternalously. And people are like, did he, did he just make up a word? like right there you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's like excuse me sir we actually already named it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oof but no seriously i feel like that's the same thing with only yesterday you know i remember being like oh where are my friends yeah. i love this song yeah and then they released the video and i was like hold on wait a second <laughs> let's go back a bit <laughs> i'm we gonna sh- have to do some unlearning now dude yeah exactly rewind no for sure and like yeah it was it's funny because fuck there's, I mean, I, I would say about right now, there's probably about 12 tracks between eight and 12 tracks that we've heard. I would say a couple times, um, that are just out there. You know what I mean? That like haven't found their way to an album or to anything that's been released. You know what I mean? And like, and I know that he's probably got fucking eight to 12 more, you know what I mean? Literally like that we haven't heard yet. Cause it's been a couple of years since the last time. So either way, like, and you know, fuck, I can only imagine, man, dude, this was such a crazy summer for the, like the hurricane scene down in that area as well. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure we all have friends down in right there, like new Orleans and like that whole area and like record setting hurricane season. And like, fuck, like, you know, protect yourself, like 
take care of your house, take care of everything. Like, and yeah, I'm curious about how he'd been handling that the whole time. You know, like <laughs> it's got a lot of gear, but anyway, um, more importantly, the people that get affected by the weather that happened over the summer for sure. It was gnarly. Yeah, it was super cool to watch the the preludes evolve into into songs over the last two tours. And it, all of the unreleased tracks, just hearing them evolve was just such a special experience. I really appreciate that from him. I mean, maybe I just don't listen to enough music, but I can't think of another of another artist that just exposes unreleased tracks like that. Like it must be really vulnerable, but maybe that's the point is just to see where it goes. But I personally haven't come across an artist that's done that before. And I think it's really unique. Super. And like, so I think that year at Red Rocks, when he released that track or played it for the first time, when we all, once again, with the timing thing, when we left from Red Rocks is when he released the first prelude, I'm pretty sure, video-wise on Instagram, I want to say. It's like when everybody's walking out and, oh, you get a notification, like, pretty much just made a post. And people are, like, walking up the steps, like, what the fuck is this? And it's, like, a video. So that's what was really dope, I would say, about the first five preludes. Like, there was a lot of interconnection. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he walked out into Nashville, right? And then used that video, like, you know, like, it was, it was really seamlessly blended together. You know what I mean? And I didn't go to as many of the second set of preludes, but I kind of missed that from the second set. Cause the first set was like, boom, here's this happening, this show, this, it was like really, really seamlessly connected in like a really crazy way. It was really cool. A lot of forward thinking, like planning and shit, you know what I mean? Um, but Red Rocks 18, bitch. That was the last, it was, were y'all there? Were you guys all there for that? No, I skipped that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no need to be there. Yeah. I was sitting at home. I was just chilling, you know, hanging Dude, out. What a snoozer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Couch fam. <laughs> but no, seriously, man. Good God. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like last, last time, uh, you know, we all came together to experience that shit, you know? So. Dude, it was a show so powerful. It like single-handedly just killed my depression for like at least two years. Yeah, yeah. I just woke up the morning after and was like, holy shit, like I am full of so much positive energy right now. Yeah. Like absurd. Yeah. And like the coolest thing about it, once again, you're talking about like Pretty Lights Live and like their expansion of the jam. It was just, it was, it was like a reunion show. You know what I mean? It was just like all the classic tracks you don't have to worry about like jammy or expanding them into any different type of direction. It was just like, you just felt everything with the extra added like stuff, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was the last time I smoked weed. Fuck. Like literally. Yeah. That was the last time I smoked weed. It's been a minute. I'm jealous. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Soon though. Do you do anything to kind of make up for that now? Uh, um, yeah. Yoga in the form of alcohol. But yeah, no, <laughs> no, I've just been looking for it. I'm on, I'm actually on probation right now. So just like chilling and like powering through, but pretty soon, I'm pretty sure in like a month from now, I'll be able to uh, smoke again. So nice brother. Yeah, Stay the course. Oh yeah. Fully man. Yeah. Jealous. It's good though. It helps with the dreams, helps with sleep for sure. For me at least. Mm-hmm. So. So do you have a favorite pretty light set? <sighs> Ooh. That's a tough one. <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, I'll talk about maybe the first sets, the other sets I'm like jealous of not being there. Um, top three, I would say, sets that I wasn't there at that I wish I was there at. 
number one um, is the Roseland in New York, right? The venue that isn't there anymore, downtown New York City. Is that the name that of the shit was fresh. You're were you absolutely there? right. Were yeah, you there? Oh yeah. Oh yes, god. Dude. <laughs> like 45, 48 tracks, right? Like silly. Dude. And that venue's not there anymore, right? It's it's like it's correct. Yeah. All right. So that one. Um number two, Bonnaroo, like to the sunrise. Like, yeah. And then number three, Mountain Jam, which you were at. Yeah. Um to be honest, uh, my favorite, uh, that's fucking crazy because this was a set that, um, nobody else was there. It was just me and some of my best friends and it's in a city that I really love that not really many people love at all. Cause it's fucking grimy, but I've, I grew up there. My grandparents had a house outside of the city. It was like 45 minutes away. Uh, so they played a set in Las Vegas at the house of blues in 2010 and I was there with a bunch of my best friends and we had this VIP package and you know, this is back when I was like, yo, we got to get the VIP. It's dope. Chill by soundboard. It's really cool. So <laughs> we go down and we check in and we're like, yo, we got the VIP package. And they're like, all right, we're like the security. They're like, is this all you? And we're like, yeah, yeah, this is us. Like, and they're like, cool. Um, yeah. So you're the only people that bought the package. So come on in. And we're like, what? And like, <laughs> so we go inside the venue, do free drinks, all this food. We got this huge space right behind soundboard. Nobody else bought the package. So it's just me and like my five homies that I went down there with and we're all just kicking it. And so we just had this, this epic zone, um, super dope night, grammatic opened. And then, you know, PL comes on and it's Vegas. It goes late. You know what I mean? All of a sudden Derek gets on the mic and he's like, oh shit, like, that's right. It's Vegas. I guess I can play for like another hour and a half. Oh shit. And like just started playing like some of the most random shit I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like, dude, he played, I'm on a boat, uh, just like a whole bunch of dope shit. And like, and it was really cool. We just had this zone right behind soundboard. It was just me and my boys getting free drinks and it was just really fucking cool. And like, it was, I, and there's no video, there's no audio, you know what I mean? It was just really a really dope moment. And then we left the next day and drove back to Utah and we went from the desert into like a fucking blizzard. We were like driving through like just fields of snow on the highway to get back. You know what I mean? And this is back in the day when like, I had to just tell all my friends, ask your friends maybe. And like, when I was like, yo, come with me, please come check this shit out. And they're like, what is this? I don't know what this is. I'm like, just come along, please. Well, you know what I mean? Like just trying to tell people, show it to him you know what i mean so that was that was yeah you'd hate to be in a city of one. Oh man yeah sometimes it's a lonesome street you know what i mean oh jeez <laughs> it's not an easy way out but you got to bring them oh my god <laughs> that's good shit that's good shit also once again like if all those lyrics went away would we be able to say the same thing in this same way you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> Dude, Solamente though, right? Doesn't that one strike a chord? Ugh. God, that's like, I think the most transitional song for me just because it's just like, it, it's always playing during pivotal moments and it always makes sense. Yeah.
I need to be sad for a little bit. Like Solamente, oh God. Or I'm like, I'm having the best day ever, Solamente. It like and everything in between. I don't know how he did it with that song, but it just like it works for me always. It'll do better. It's the so until I really focused on it and came into the time has come because of my like full huge connection to hip hop, that like Sol- like the second half of Solamente before he gets into the flute, you know what I mean? When it really goes full blown hip hop, that was the that was the track that like pulled me in. That was the one where I was like, oh okay, so this is actually just fucking hip hop. You know what I mean? For and then, sure. Like, With that Welcome to Atlanta baseline, I just remember I just went, oh what? Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, no, it's the fucking truth, man. Seriously. And was it was was it you two that? at the doorstep at your place was that what it was oh yes we we pulled off quite the pretty light surprise and <laughs> there, there was even this like elaborate riddle involved because Wes like insisted on going to this show in Rochester and, and like we kept trying to like coordinate and just like keep him there wasn't insisting I had no idea you guys were trying to do something so I was just gonna do me <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the show what was the show that you're trying to go to or like it was a. Uh, I don't even remember now. <laughs> you should try to it remember. Was, you should try to remember. Oh, I am. I know Kyoto was on the bill, but I know it wasn't like a Kyoto headlining show. Yeah. So it was going to be like some fun kind of wonky bass tunes. And, you know, I was like, I got nothing to do. And then my girlfriend, Lucia, at the time was being like, no, like, you should just stay home, shouldn't you? And I was like, I don't know. And then they started being weird. And everything yeah. was just very weird for a few days. Oh, yeah. I was getting phone calls. I had to get a friend that Wes doesn't know to call him and deliver a Pretty Lights-themed riddle. And I think the riddle was, look left, look right, for two wayfaring strangers will be passing by after midnight, solamente Friday night. yeah. Which was so obvious. <laughs> it was like a dead giveaway. And he was like, nah, I'm still going to go. And I was like, what the fuck, West? Yeah, dude. No, that's the fucking good shit. And to be honest, man, like, so being here in Utah is really cool because I'm right on the like, cross point of uh, I-15 and I-80, like, the you know, going across the country and like north to south. So um, there's a lot of times where people from Denver are heading to California or some people from California are heading to Denver or from down South or whatever. Um, Salt Lake city is like a, a, a cool spot. And like, you know, I get hit up occasionally and people are like, yo, uh, can I, can I come crash at your spot? Is it cool if I like come kick it for a little bit? You know what I mean? Like, and I think the other thing about this network connection is that, it was like an app that I wanted to make for a little while, um, literally called Couch Tour, you know what I mean? And similar to how Couch Tour actually is, but built around your musical tastes, you know what I mean? So like, let's say you're traveling from like point A to point B across the country. So you plot in your route that you want to go, and then you're looking for people to stay with, but you put in your like musical tastes, you know, that you're into or whatever. These people that are a part of the app get like notified like, oh, this person really likes Tribe, this person really likes PL, this person really likes this. And then on your way as you're traveling, they can like hit you back and be like, yo, we got a couch. You can come crash on it if you want. You can come stay with us. Like we obviously like the same music. Um, And it would help to have the reviews, you know, like people like I'm not actually crazy. You know, I'm not going to like steal your cat or like whatever. Like it's not going to be weird, but like along this route that you're on, you can avoid 
having to pay for a hotel or whatever. You can just stay with similar friends that are into the same music as you, you know? And like living here, it's been really dope. It's happened a bunch. Like some of the oldest friends have like come to stay here for riding. Other people that were on their way to different places, like have come to crash, you know? And I think that like that expands this whole connection even further than like running into somebody at a show. You know what I mean? Like you said, like, you're cool if I come kick it with you guys. And like, I will trust me because <laughs> it's weird. Like when it comes to San Fran, I get a little itchy. I get a little weird if I like haven't been out there for like six months or a year, it's like strange, you know, there, I, I like to go kick it in the tenderloin for a little bit, you know, stay up all night, but no, it's a, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see like people moving across the country and having places to stay through friends that share the love for the same music and you can kick it on the couch and just talk about good times. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just, that, that's that, to me, that's like the expansion of this network. Yeah, man. I'm just so appreciative of our community for being that strong, you know, for like, especially being in such a niche little section of the music industry. Yeah. You know, like I, one of my favorite things is I was driving to Chicago or not to Chicago, to Colorado through Chicago. And I hit up one of like my best friends in college, you know, like I, we were super tight and he bailed on me to go on a date with some chick. And I was like, Oh, like, fuck, that sucks. Oh, well, yeah. well, this guy I talked to, his name is uh, Snoop. He lives in Chicago. I know him through PLF. Like, I'll text him. Let's see what's up with and him. And I was like, I was like, hey, dude, uh, hey, I'm going to be in Chicago in like 30 minutes. He's like, you like pizza? I'm like, I like pizza. He goes, <laughs> come over, we'll dab and get some pizza. And I'm like, yeah. fucking sick. <laughs> dude. And now that's my boy. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen him a couple of times since then, you know, and it's like, it's great to have those people and like, just that are so genuine. Yeah. And such like, I don't know, you know good energy attracts good energy so i'm really glad that's what we got going on here fully and like once again like the 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 vibe the vibrations of sound like hit our core and when we all gather for like that same tone that same frequency that same hurts you know what i mean it like lingers inside of your body and like it makes you stronger when you share it with each other you know what i mean for real now a real random question i have for you is super weird when you're in a venue and you can just like feel the bass rumbling your body, does it make you feel like you're a baby in your mom's belly listening to some deep dub? <laughs> it's interesting. So at NOLA New Year's, um, did you guys go to that um, for PL? Yeah. Hell fuck yeah, yes. He and, he and I did. I don't think Wes did. I know Wes didn't because he would have been with us. <laughs> yeah. I went to Grizz. <laughs> Hey, I'm still not done shitting on you for that. It was good, but I, I they played Solamente. What? Really? They played Solamente. Hey. No, not for me in New Orleans. Oh, oh, dude. Oh, and you have no idea, man. You have no fucking I idea. I have idea. Oh, dude. No, oh, my I, God. I, so I witnessed. I caught dude. someone was live as soon as I got back to my <laughs> shitty Motel 6. Dude, and I, I can, was like, right. no. No. I could tell you some stories about Solamente at, yeah, all right. But, all right. So, so. <laughs> Uh, Ethan and Liz, did you guys do VIP like the um, the whole like that whole thing? Or were you guys down on the no. floor? No, we I, were on well, the no, floor. No, I think we actually did because we went up to the second floor to also get drinks. Okay, but we were like the only people out of everyone that got them. I don't remember. At least we so had did one you guys person go, that got. Did them. you guys go into like the other side, like where it was like outside of the venue and you, it was all free pour? Um, you were underneath the stars. There were like fake trees in there. It was like the, I think the family passes or some shit. I don't know if you guys did that I don't remember all. that. There was okay. like a house, right? Like yeah. some kind of like mansion, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, but, we didn't, we didn't go to that. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was like a separate thing. 
either way do you guys you went upstairs though did you okay yep all right so you're looking at the stage you're upstairs you got like the whole right side railing and then at the back of the like upstairs there's like that's where everybody was chilling behind that was this huge open space you know what i mean like massive nobody was there everybody was down on the floor and upstairs was like vip zone you know what i mean for me and just kind of how i'm weird with like feeling like us west like just like feeling bass and sound i wandered around that like dead space there was nobody there there was nothing there and i went back to like the back kind of spot in this wall and I was just back there chilling. And so like on New Year's, like I was rocking a tux, but like the night before, like, but I still kept going back to this little spot and people would like randomly look over and like come over and they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, just hang out here for a second. Just kick it here, chill for a bit. And don't really look at the stage, like close your eyes. Like, but do you feel it? Like just, and like the four or five people that came over and kicked it, like they were all like, whoa damn it sounds really fucking good and and so like once again soundboard is always a good spot to be at any venue always but at certain venues there are some times where soundboard like isn't the key spot and like you just got to roll in and like close your eyes and like just let it fill your eyes but no seriously though like just roll in like close your eyes and like you can, you can feel it in more ways than, than like, you know, just, and, and follow at any venue to the spot where like, it, it makes you feel the best. And like, we, we were on the, the, um, the like mountain tour when he did Jackson and then Missoula and then, uh, uh, Oregon and at the Jackson venue, the pink garter. I don't know if you guys have ever been to that spot or whatever. Yeah. We were at that show. You were at that yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. You were. Okay. Yeah. We were yes. like on railing. Yeah. We, uh, okay. yeah, we rode the rail for it. D- yeah. It was the All first right. time I think. Yo, yeah. So pink garter rail is a sweat box. You know what I'm saying? Were you guys sweating? I expect you're probably oh, yeah. sweating. I took some MDMA. So I was sweating. <laughs> there was some sure. extra sweat. So like, dude, that's funny story about that show. So I walk in and I was like, all right, there's soundboard, but that's not where we want to be. And right in the like far left corner. So if you're looking at stage, like, you know, far back right corner of the venue if you're looking at stage for whatever reason i was like yo we gotta go up right up there and like let's kick it up there and it was super funny like (laughs) this is fucked true story though so we get up there and it sounds really good you can feel it and like it all the different layers and i told people i was like yo when this show starts happening a lot of people are going to want to be coming up here so we got to tell them that this is like a vip spot you know like we got tickets for the (laughs) vip you know what i mean just let them know and my homies were like, what? No, you tell them that. Fuck that. I'm not going to deal with that shit. And I was like, okay. And like, so <laughs> the show does start happening and like other people like start flowing in and they still like, they step up and it's like these little like pads. There's a table. There's like all of us. And like people would roll up and I would go up to them and be like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, yo, just let you know, we like bought VIP tickets for up here. And they're like, Oh word. Yeah. Sorry. Let's go. And they'll be like, step down. And like, <laughs> it's kind of fucked, but like we needed our zone. You know what I mean? It sounded really good right there. And we're all chilling. And then this homegirl comes up and she like starts cleaning off the, like the cocktail table. I didn't even really thinking about it. I should, I should have thought more, but my mind was elsewhere. 
And so I go up to her and I was like, Hey, just want to let you know that, uh, we, we bought tickets for this VIP zone and just let you know. And she's like, Oh shit, damn, I, I work here. I've actually never heard of that. I didn't know you could get VIP tickets for up here. And I was like, Oh <laughs> fuck. She's like, shit. She's like, Oh no, it's crazy. I just haven't heard about that yet. I got to go ask my manager. I was like, yeah, yeah you should ask him. That, that's cool. I'm like, <laughs> but so for every venue, there is what you would call, I would say the sweet spot. And it's not always where the soundboard is but like you need to ask your friends um yeah just you need to ask them like as you run around like how does it feel for you is this cool like is this a zone like and you'll find this spot where like once again i think the frequency hits us all the same but it's nice to like share like a zone where you're like yo this is kind of like where we need to be you know what i mean anytime you're with the homies you're at the spot you need to be yeah it's the truth man where we so all right mountain jam because i got i got questions about that set i i honestly don't think i've heard laser shark talk much more about a specific set because i've heard that laser shark's been to a lot of pl shows i don't know how many you guys have been to but i heard he's been to a couple and i've yeah i think he's been to more than i have just a few but I've heard him talk yeah. about mountain jam a lot. And like, I heard, yeah. I heard there was that hill. Like, a, yeah, I heard the, it's on a ski slope, dude. Yeah. That's what I heard. It's like, it's literally on a mountain the same way that uh camp Bisco is, but like this, like the main stage is genuinely on a slope. Is there a chairlift there? Can you see a chairlift or is there like, it just, yeah, there's one that like runs right above. Yeah. So like, I was like, man, like I wish they would let people go up there. Dude. And like, I understand why they didn't, Yeah, but you might, you <laughs> might, they did actually die. earlier in the day earlier in the day so i was there and uh warren haynes was playing and they did but at night they didn't you could ride the chairlift during the day while people were playing yeah oh my yeah. god dude that's so yeah dope. it's nice dude but it was like it was really cool to see pl there because like warren haynes like it was way more that vibe you know like that's kind of like a warren haynes festival where it's a lot of like older school rock like just like a bunch of old heads you know and then when pl was on the lineup i was like whoa like this makes no sense but i'm so for it like i'd love to cross them off my list yeah dude Ooh. i heard yeah i wish ethan and i were friends we would have had too much fun but you're both night. you're both there though like that was like yeah before mm-hmm. dude that's and how but how about that though because now you can like talk about it from your different perspectives if you were there together you'd have that same but also shared perspective like were you there when this was happening you're like nah i was over here when that was happening i remember the first time i ever heard the uh nas new york state of mind and the cream remix was there i didn't know that was a thing that existed Mm -hmm. and like you know i'm a hip-hop kid too so i just remember just losing my literal brains (laughs) just like audibly going what yeah what yeah (laughs) dude i was in a so in missoula montana which is one of the so i've seen pl play there twice and i'm pretty sure it was the first year i was there and it was on 9 11 literally and he he was hyping some new york vibes that night it was it was years later but like the respect that he was dropping on 9 11 with his music that has influences of new york in it it was really really dope and he definitely dropped that that night for sure and he's like he was like only tonight you know what i mean just like you know like but yeah he's so full of intention i love it dude like it's so funny like the whole phrase of like looking back from the future you know what i mean like i would safely say that he has seen the future you know what i mean and on multiple different occasions and like still continues to see it you know what i'm saying like so like this whole thing of like 
it's almost like, uh, you know, not like a dream, but something that you can like see or feel tangibly and you strive to get to it because you have felt it physically in reality. I would say that that kind of is how he rolls. You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, I've seen that. Now I have to figure out my way to get to it in real life. And then when he gets there, he's like, Oh shit. All right. On to the next one kind of a thing. Just like the way that he kind of lives in this current world. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my guess, you know? So what you're suggesting is he's seen a reality that's almost familiar. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's too funny. And like, all right, so rewind a bit. So Emancipator, bless up, all the love, always. Where the fuck does he get the names for his songs from? You know what I mean? Like his songs like have no connection to any of the lyrics in him. You know what I mean? He's such a weirdo. Like he's such like a, he's a massively introspective person. You know what I mean? If you, if you talk to him in person, like he's a really good listener, you know what I mean? That's generally how he rolls. Like he just, he's curious. Um, but yeah, like he's, he's his, his whole concept of uh, how, like where any of his song names come from is really cool. I dig that shit big time. You know. Yeah, I remember for the new album when he released Labyrinth, he put out like a little piece about how it's about this, you know, an intrinsic journey outward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like that's so just profound on so many levels. Yeah. And then for that song, because like I remember feeling that way when I listened to it, I was just like, whoa, like it's that feeling of just, you know, bleh. and then but also getting lost and then getting lost inward as well, like into nature, basically, you know, like how, how nature brings you like outward. But then also when you're in nature, you kind of get lost within it, like, and you kind of find yourself in that place. You know what I mean? Dude. <laughs> so this is a funny story. We drove out to go to Cervantes. It was January 31st last year. Drove through a fucking blizzard. Um, I filmed a bunch of the blizzard with my phone. Just be like, oh, damn, that's what you got to do. You know, we're going to go see an Emancipator show. And we get to Cervantes and we go upstairs, I sit down, I set my phone on the table and then we see some friends downstairs and we just run downstairs and like, go say what's up, give them a hug, you know what I mean? And at this point in time, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Black Milk, you know, legging clothing company, Australia, make, make a bunch of dope shit. They did a labyrinth run, like a movie, the movie, The Labyrinth, you know, like David Bowie, all that shit. So, <laughs> and it was right after he dropped Labyrinth, the track. So I got like labyrinth gear that I'm rocking from the movie. You know what I mean? Like for that, um, run downstairs, say what it's up to the friends. But then I see Doug over there chilling and I want to go over to show him the video of like driving through the blizzard to go say what's up to him. I go over and I'm like, yo, Doug, man, I want to show you this video, man. It's good to see you. Like, what's up? Like, let me, let me show you this blizzard that we drove through. And I'm like, wait, where the fuck is my phone? And like, (laughs) And Doug's like, yo, man, like, where's your phone at? And I'm like, oh, shit, I left it upstairs. Like, run back up to the table. The phone isn't there. And literally at that moment, that begun the labyrinth of the night. Like, the evening became the labyrinth of, like, where's my phone? Where are we at? This whole thing. Like, it, but the show was amazing. Everything was fucking dope. I found my phone later. But it was it was fucking dope, man. And I love that track. Closey remixed that shit. You know what I mean? Her remix of Labyrinth is amazing. Super dope. Dude, it's crazy. Eight nights at the Mishawaka. Closey. Just to, like, talk about 
what she just did. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of fucking yeah, star power. She's killing it. She's killing it, man. It's crazy. And like, her, yeah, her her like expansion and like progression is and big in the last year for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she's got really good taste. Yeah. And like I love that throughout this she's just been playing out other people's tunes too cuz like I really like her music. Mm-hmm. But then it's like I just appreciate it when someone's just like also here's this. Yeah. And you're like, "Okay." Yeah, Closey DJ set would be a fucking really good sign for sure. I mean, not that she oh, hasn't been doing yeah. that, but you know, yeah, just her playing other people's shit would be a lot of fun for sure. Do you have a musical bucket list or any shows or venues you've trying to been going to? Yeah. You know what? It's a it's a it's a moment in the past that got affected by weather, and I hate to say it because it's going to bring up a lot of emotions. But um, Island of Light. I knew it. <laughs> if uh, you know what I mean, like as far as like you know venues go, like um, dude, so fuck. I mean, thinking about the entire planet as far as like a venue, um there's like this, this like amphitheater, I think in Denmark, I'm pretty sure it's like sunken down. It doesn't really look like, I don't know how the acoustics would be like, um, there's those caves in, is that in Nash, uh, in Tennessee? Is that where those caves are? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I would love to see PL there. Yeah. That shit looks dope. But like, it would have to be some, something new as far as a venue goes, like just not like a, our, once again, like talking about festivals like something new like something that really hasn't happened before at that place you know but is a place where you know it would sound good um and then as far as like the sound that would play there i mean generally the lineup of island of light along with i don't know but like a bunch of this shit that uh, i've been listening to from russia but i'll be honest like the this weird sound from russia that the future garage i don't think a lot of people would dig it live it's like it's sleepy music for sure <laughs> but pretty lights always for life you know what i mean pretty lights at a new venue pretty lights at a new place you know something that hasn't happened before i would say that's the dream thing it seems like he's all about that like just on his last two tours specifically he was going to all kinds of small random little places and just doing something that felt very different yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it like, you know, once again, I think obviously playing at Red Rocks for, you know, I've been at every single PL headlining Red Rocks show and seeing the project grow through all those different times. And what was dope about going to all those Red Rocks shows is we, me and my homies would stand at the same spot at Red Rocks every single year. And we just, we went right back to it. It was our zone and However, for whatever reason, we made it work every single year and we were there. So it was really cool to like be at the same place at Red Rocks every single year and see it change and hear it change, but be in the same place. And I know a lot of people like, oh, let's go over here. Let's do this. Let's be over here and and do that. But yeah, to to see PL at like a, a new place, somewhere different that he's never played at before, I think would create a really, really cool vibe of you know like just it's new it's different you know but for you brett like what do you think is the biggest lesson you've pulled in all your time kind of in the scene um to uh to share art and to to share inspiration i would say literally like to um 
if there's an argument, like figure out the middle place once again, like to where everybody can come to a conclusion where they don't have to like fight anymore, but generally like trying to get everybody on the same level of energy and frequency and understanding. And hopefully within that, like creating a place where everybody can gain inspiration and kind of come out from that. Like, like think about like, like an explosion in space, like, it all comes in close and tight and then it all goes outward. And like at that moment, there's an explosion. And, and from that, like when you go out, like, and you know, that's one of the most beautiful things about PLF, like, you know, we've all met there and like learned some things pretty much from the music, but like that has expanded out and like, we've done things that we got inspired from, you know what I mean? And like followed this path that has like pretty much kind of like, you know, given a lot of people guidelines for their lives and like the different directions they wanted to go. You know what I mean? Like literally that's what I look at it as like a, just a, a, just a huge massive star explosion. And like, we're all just traveling outward and like, you know, finding our own paths and stuff, but basically just inspiration from art, um, finding your path and like, don't fight about it, you know, just like, you know, laugh and chill and follow, follow your line, you know, I like that. Should we, uh, should we, drink some water and head to bed and shit is that how yeah that sounds like a really healthy way to to end this podcast (laughs) drink your water everybody hydrate (laughs) yeah straight up yeah yeah thank you so much for doing this brad it was so awesome thank you guys you You were a great guest yeah i love for sure good times i'm glad to be here i'm like super you know humbled so yeah i'm just super looking forward to the next show that we could all hang out you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. I mean, so shush, shush. Who knows what's gonna happen next year? But on the calendar, August sixth and seventh still hasn't still been announced. Open? It's I, as far as I know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Cool, 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 we we cool, shall cool. see. But either way, you know. Once again, we're just gonna put out love for the future and put out love for the planet. Put out love for everybody. Um, you know, hope for the best around the next corner. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Booking Airbnb right now. honestly not a bad idea yeah seriously We hope you've had a chance to sip some water and hydrate before bedtime. We uh, we had a great time chatting with Brett. Like we said at the beginning, you know, he's a super homie, um, just a really great guy. And he has just been around for so much and definitely looking forward to partying with him next time we can. And Elizabeth, our next episode is a really cool one. Yeah, we got to sit down with the No Simple Road family, which was One of the inspirations for this podcast, they are also a podcast on the Osiris Network, and they are a family of Grateful Deadheads, and they have a bunch of wonderful guests, some of which intersect with our community as well, but I just love the casual nature of their conversations. I actually got to visit Mm -hmm. them earlier this year. Uh, My good friend Christina and I, uh, we were in Portland, which is where No Simple Road is based, and they had us over for this like amazing fajita dinner one night on their infamous porch. They always talk about how they're like recording on their porch, and Apple 
which is uh, Aaron's really, really good childhood friend. Um, he works at a dispensary, so he had like so many different kinds of weed. So we were just like smoking good weed all night, drinking good beer, and we had a great time hanging out with them. And it was just cool to meet, you know, someone that I'm really inspired by in person. And they've they've been so nice and helpful just as we've kind of gotten our feet wet with our own podcast. Yeah, it was a really inspiring conversation with them, and I'm still feeling very uplifted from with everything they had to say for us. And, you know, we obviously talk about the parallels between the Pretty Lights and the Grateful Dead community. And it was cool to talk to, you know, some older cats. And they really, you could tell they understood what it is we were talking about, where sometimes you talk about electronic music to old people and they can be really dismissive. But these people are just down to their core, just good. And it was so much fun. It was just a big old love fest. And it's like one of those things where you sit down and talk to them, you feel like you've known them for years. So if you guys like The Grateful Dad or just are looking for a cool podcast to listen to, definitely head over to No Simple Road. Um, If you like this podcast, you'll love that one too. So big shout out to the No Simple Road family. There's infinite pie for all of us out here. And uh, looking forward to the time where we can go all go out there and visit and hang out again. I was very jealous I had to miss out on that. But I'd love to go over there and eat some food with Apple. He's like my new BFF. I'm wondering at what point in my life am I going to become your guy's Apple where I just start living with you? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, we're in our 50s. I don't know, Wes. Make our day. Come on. We've been trying to get you to come out to San Francisco forever. You could work at a dispensary. It would just be like the San Francisco version. It would be great. Yeah, no doubt. If you guys stay there, or when you get back out there, if you go back out there. I, I would like to stay here as long as I possibly can. I love it out here in San Francisco. But we'll see. We'll see where we end up. We'll see where the road takes us. Even if it takes us back east, I sure hope that it takes me back west someday. So follow us on our social media platforms. Once again, our Instagram is Almost Familiar Pod. Our Facebook nope. is... What? I said, yup. Oh, I thought you said nope. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, come on. I thought I got this job by now. There's a genuine look of panic in here. <laughs> no, you got it's like it. I got That's it wrong you again. Plugs. Yeah. You are the best. <laughs> well, once we eliminated Twitter, which is like the AF so pod, which easy. like... It's it got yeah. so much it got so much easier. So like if you didn't follow us on Twitter, like it's okay. Don't don't worry about quick. it. It's I think yeah. I think I'm like the only follower, which is fine. I just you know, I feel like Twitter's <laughs> not like the platform for podcasts. Like we could put it on there. I feel like Instagram is probably the strongest one. So on Instagram, we're almost familiar pod. On Facebook, we're almost familiar. And if you want to email us, we always love to hear from you. Seriously, it always makes my day. It like anytime I'm in the middle of like a work meeting or something, I'm like, fuck yeah. Uh, so that's almost familiar podcast at gmail.com. And then again, if there's anybody you want us to talk to or are looking to hear from, please do reach out and let us know. We've got some really cool stuff in the works and we're just looking forward to keep doing this. So if you got any ideas, holler at us, please. And we'll see you next time for No Simple Road. Thank you, as always, for letting us take up your precious time. Peace, y'all.